Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is episode 466 for your february 26th 2023 i'm your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your sunday evenings wherever you may be man we got a lot to get into tonight we got an action-packed show for you We got Vince McMahon news. The Vince McMahon rumors have not gone away. We got more news on WrestleMania changes. We got more news on Triple H upsetting the WWE locker room. We got news on Kenny Omega and news about his contract. There was a big discussion whether or not Tony Khan actually added time to Kenny Omega's contract for the time that he was out with injury and we got an update on that but there were additional reports about the Young Bucks, MJF, Kenny Omega all being free agents around the same time within basically two months of each other. MJF and the Elite, two months of each other. Now that is a fearsome foursome If I've ever seen one, and you know for a fact WWE is going to be going after all of those names hard for whatever reason, WWE is going to do whatever they can to take all of those top talents away from AEW, and and, and you know the reason. It's not for whatever reason. They are looking to kill AEW, and that's exactly what they are going to try and aim to do later this year, but... I got an update on Omega uh, and how he's feeling coming from Wade Keller and MJF. I'll tell you why I believe MJF ain't going anywhere right now anyway, as I do think that the next major storyline in AEW will revolve around MJF. And I do feel like he will be with the company for years to come. And then we got news on King of the Ring. WWE is announcing King of the Ring, Queen of the Ring happening in the same night. But Tony Khan may not like where WWE placed this one on the calendar. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. But for content creators like us, it's going to be a big payday because it's going to be another loaded wrestle, uh, well, not WrestleMania, another loaded wrestling weekend for King of the Ring and wherever it will be falling on the calendar kind of stepping on AEW's toes once again. So we will get into all that stuff. I got a loaded show for you guys, and I appreciate you joining me here on the podcast. We got 1,400 people in here still filing on in. I really appreciate all you guys and all of your support. Make sure you guys go out and check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Plenty of it. We got live streams all week, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. 
We're live tonight. YouTube shorts. Everything you need to get caught up on everything is on the channel, man. Make sure you hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. We are a little over 100 away. This week will be the week we hit officially 142,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. I really appreciate it, man. That was a very quick turnaround from 141 to 142. Hopefully, we can keep that momentum going into WrestleMania, where we got four and a half weeks till WrestleMania. Make sure you guys go out and follow me on social media as well, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Everything you need is linked down below in the description of this very video. Memberships are open. Always accepting new applicants to the VIP club, man. We got some great shit coming up. Just like tonight, Sunday nights are VIP only on YouTube. No strangers allowed, man. It's a uh, it's a closed bar. VIP only on Sunday nights. It's going to be the same thing for the first night where we debut the latest extension of the OTS venue, my mother's basement. What am I working on? What do I got the team working on? You're going to be absolutely blown away by what we got coming for the podcast, man. It's going to be the absolute best-looking design that we have ever introduced on the channel. Absolutely. If you thought the beer garden which is going to be coming back soon. We're going, to move in, we're going to be moving into the beer garden for the summer months. When you see this thing, man, oh my goodness. It's going to put the beer garden to absolute shame. And I love the beer garden, man. I love the beer garden. My favorite is actually the original venue. The outside of the original venue, it's just, it's so gorgeous. I can look at it all day long. I, I, I physically want to be in the fucking design. But that's coming, man, so sign up. You guys will be able to chat VIP only on that first night. It's going to be awesome. Going to have some cool stuff kind of leading up to it. I think I may have some new merchandise to go along with the release as well. That's coming very soon, man. I think we should be ready in uh, just about the same time we have until WrestleMania, about five weeks or so. So I'm looking forward to that. Make sure you guys check out my sponsor for tonight's show. We are sponsored tonight by The Ridge. Ridge.com slash scripts, or you guys can use code script at checkout for 10% off. Make sure you guys get your Ridge wallet today. And before we get anything started tonight, I want to kick it to my great friends over at the Ridge because you guys are going to need to protect yourself going into the spring and summer months, man. We're going to be outside a little bit more. I want you guys to look good. I want you to feel good. I want you to be safe. I own four of them, so why not? Shout out to The Ridge, tonight's sponsor right here on Off The Script. Ladies and gentlemen, I am super excited about today's sponsor on the podcast. Legitimately, my favorite wallet of all time. I have not owned another wallet since I first found out about The Ridge. Today's sponsor right here on off the script. I mean, look at this nonsense. Why would you want to carry around that? Why would you want that on your person? This fumbling, ugly, disgusting mess of a wallet. 
when you got something like the Ridge out there that's gonna streamline everything you need in this beautiful little package. Not only is it as durable, I mean, look at this thing. This thing is almost three years old. I take it with me everywhere I go. It's been through hell with me and it still looks great. The Ridge is as durable as they come. Over 30 colors to choose from, room for 12 cards in here, plus some if you wanna get a little froggy. Money clip for loose cash. And it's got RFID blocking technology, so you guys are going to be safe. You're not going to be compromised at all from digital pickpockers. I mean, that's the most important thing about the Ridge, period. And if I haven't convinced you guys to go get a Ridge, the Ridge is going to give you guys a full money-back guarantee for 45 days. If you don't like the Ridge wallet, which I don't know why you wouldn't, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. That's how confident that they are in their product. Make sure you guys go and use the promo code SCRIPTS at Ridge.com. You're going to save 10% off. Once again, that is SCRIPTS at Ridge.com. And I want to thank my great friends over at the Ridge, not only for giving me the best damn wallet anywhere, but for today's podcast, sponsoring the podcast right here on Off the Script. I want to thank The Ridge for sponsoring tonight's show, man, and I appreciate them being on board with us right here on Off The Scripts. We're going to start, and this is something that I'm mega excited about, man. I am really excited about this. WWE, they haven't really announced it themselves, but we got wind that WWE is set to do King and Queen of the Ring for May. And this is happening in the month of May, Saturday, May 27th. Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics is reporting that WWE is doing two pay-per-views in the month of May. Backlash on Saturday, May 6th, as well as King and Queen of the Ring on Saturday, May 27th. Now, it is interesting to note that May 27th is... Memorial Day weekend, or the start of Memorial Day weekend, which traditionally, Tony Khan does the same thing with AEW, Memorial Day weekend in Las Vegas, double or nothing. So WWE is once again stepping on the toes of AEW and Tony Khan and doing a major, that that is a big show. That is a major show. That Triple H is doing that same weekend against AEW. The promotion has held the show on a Sunday for the past two years. So I'm assuming with King and Queen of the Ring happening on Saturday, May 27th, that AEW will be doing double or nothing on that same weekend, but Sunday. So it's going to be a loaded wrestling weekend once again for us. And we're going to have a ton of shit happen in that same weekend. Now, the report stated that this year's backlash will not include the WrestleMania backlash hashtag or title that Vince had foolishly put on the name of the pay-per-view for the last two years. And I'm glad that is being eliminated because it sounds absolutely fucking ridiculous. The WrestleMania backlash, you know, pro, uh, promotional push for the pay-per-view was, was ridiculous because the more you do... Uh, name WrestleMania Backlash, or they go to Saudi. It's just as big, if not bigger, 
than WrestleMania to shill those events to the Saudi Arabians. I mean, you're actually taking WrestleMania name or the name of WrestleMania and you're lessening it. You're lessening the prestige of the event by putting putting it alongside backlash. It's WrestleMania backlash or the Saudi shows. I mean, those shows are not WrestleMania. Those shows are not WrestleMania and nor should they be ever. So I don't know why that was even done. I don't know why management ever did anything like that. Plus, WrestleMania backlash, it it just shows, and and it gives off the impression that the show is basically going to be rematches from what you got at WrestleMania, and I don't want something to be labeled WrestleMania backlash and have it feel like every match on that show is going to be a rematch of WrestleMania when we just got done with WrestleMania. I don't want that at all. Backlash. WWE Backlash. I'm not even big on the name Backlash in general, but Backlash should be fine. Now, King and Queen of the Ring, in December, WWE filed King and Queen of the Ring trademarks. WWE held King of the Ring as a standalone pay-per-view event from 1993 to 2002 before occasionally using it on TV where Vince McMahon decimated the fucking gimmick. He did nothing with it to make it memorable or prestigious. The most recent King of the Ring winner was Xavier Woods in 2021, and Zelina Vega won what was called the Queen's Crown Tournament, and it was a complete fucking disaster. Both men's and women's tournaments were a complete disaster. Xavier Woods won it, and he paraded around like a fucking geek with a crown and a scepter and a cape, and he changed his accent. Zelina Vega won what was probably the worst women's tournament in the history of professional wrestling. Just an awful display of a tournament and really embarrassed the overall women's division in general. Zelina Vega won that tournament. I don't even think it uh, it really matters at all. None of it matters. I don't know who remembers it. I don't know why anybody would want to remember it. Triple H is going to do right by it because he himself won a King of the Ring. And he knows how important it is to somebody who wins King of the Ring or Queen of the Ring this year. Now, how are they going to do it and do both of them in the same night? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why we need a Queen of the Ring. I'm going to be blatantly, I'm going to be blatant with you. I'm going to be upfront. I don't know why we need a Queen of the Ring. I don't. You know, the, the women do not need the same thing as the men in every single gimmick or every single aspect of WWE. If it was a King of the Ring it would be a lot better because then you can give us the entire tournament in one night like we used to do in the old days. I feel like now you're doing both of them in the same night. We're not going to get the entirety of both tournaments in one night. I don't know how they're going to go about that. And more than likely, if you're fitting both of them in the same show, I honestly feel like WWE is going to give us the semifinals only for both. So that's two matches for the semifinals on the men. Then we get the finals. Two matches for the semifinals and the women, and then the finals. So that's six matches in total, and then they can do whatever else they need to do on the pay-per-view. Or I could be completely wrong, and we get nothing but the tournament on pay-per-view, and that's it. I don't know. I don't know how WWE is going to go about it. So we'll see. But I would rather not overload the show with both and just do all of those because I feel like it's just going to be too much. And then if they do the semifinals, I feel like it's going to be too little. There's got to be an in-between. That's why I say we don't really need a Queen of the Ring. We could have did a Queen of the Ring and just save it for television. And the King of the Ring could have been on pay-per-view. But 
Saturday, April 1, April 2nd, we know is WrestleMania from SoFi Stadium. Saturday, March 6th, Backlash, location to be announced. Saturday, May 27th, King and Queen of the Ring, location to be announced. July 1st, so there will be no pay-per-view in June. Saturday, July 1st, Money in the Bank from the O2 Arena in London. Saturday, August 5th, SummerSlam, Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. So that is WWE's pay-per-view schedule up until the end of the summer. And then uh, I'm assuming we'll get September through December, somewhere in the middle of summer 2023. Now, where these events will take place, one of these events is taking place in Saudi. I know that for 100% fact. One of these events is taking place in Saudi. I know it was a few months back where everybody was like, oh, where's the next Saudi show going to be? When are they going to do it? Being that we're getting no pay-per-view in June, and we already have Money in the Bank in London, SummerSlam in Fort Field, WWE needs to make two trips out to Saudi Arabia per year. So I'm assuming we're going to get one in October, and we're going to get one in May. So if I'm doing this, I'm doing backlash in Saudi, and then I'm doing King and Queen of the Ring here in the States. That's what I'm doing. I, I believe backlash may be in Saudi Arabia after WrestleMania. That's just my prediction. But one of those shows, for sure, 100% will be taking place in Saudi Arabia. Now, with the king and queen of the ring, it remains to be seen what WWE is going to do. Are we going to have qualifying matches? That's the one thing I, I, I want to know. Are we going to have qualifying matches for the tournament? WWE really could have fun with this. This could be a multi-branded event. So we can get qualifying matches from SmackDown, qualifying matches on Raw. We can get four guys from Raw, four guys from, from SmackDown, and the same thing for the ladies. And I would, this is just me speaking, I would include a NXT talent in that. I would include an NXT talent, like a wild card. I would include NXT ladies in it as well. I want to see all three brands represented in the King and Queen of the Ring tournaments. I think that would be would be best for business. What does the winner get? What does the King of the Ring get? What does the Queen of the Ring get? Easy. We've been saying this for years. Ever since we've been wanting this pay-per-view, this premium live event back on the WWE pay-per-view calendar. The women and men should both get the same thing. A world championship match at SummerSlam. Whomever... The king or queen of the ring is, gets a WWE or Universal Championship match, Monday Night Raw or SmackDown Women's Championship match, depending on what brand they come from. WWE may go about it the same way that they do the Royal Rumble, where the winner, if it's a Raw winner, they could challenge for the Universal Championship if they so choose. We don't know how WWE is going to go about it, but a championship match, at the end of the day, a world championship match at SummerSlam, and WWE's got two top matches for SummerSlam booked right out of the gate at the end of May. And that could be the bridge between WrestleMania and SummerSlam like we've been hoping for for years. King of the Ring went away because Vince McMahon hated tournaments. He never found value in the tournaments. He always looked at the King of the Ring on pay-per-view as far as the buy rates are concerned. The buy rates were lower and lower and lower. And then he just ended up canceling the concept, moved it to television. They didn't really care about it. They disgraced it. They made a mockery out of it. They never really treated it with any sort of importance or prestige. Meanwhile, something like this is going to enhance whoever wins it. The tournament itself is going to enhance any of the talents that are going to be in the tournament. This tournament comes with time limits. This tournament comes with a whole slew of booking ideas. 
a whole bunch of ways out for WWE to make sure the tournament is exciting. I love it. I would change nothing. I would bring back everything that they used to do from the old King of the Rings. Time limits, you know, qualifiers, first round, second round, finals. I love it. This is great news. I'm excited about this more than anything else that WWE's got going on this year. And my early favorites, especially for the men, to win the King of the Ring tournament, my odds-on favorite already, and it's not even officially announced by the company, I'm going with Gunther to win the King of the Ring. I think Gunther is going to be in the World Championship match at SummerSlam against whomever the champion is, whether it's Roman or Cody or somebody else that may not be in discussion right now. Gunther is going to be King of the Ring this year. Mark my words. And for the ladies, I don't know. I don't know. I could see WWE going and giving the fucking Queen of the Ring to Charlotte Flair because she's the Queen, Charlotte Flair, for all we know. This is WWE's first, first uh, uh, I guess, adaptation of the Queen of the Ring, right? So who better to win the fucking first ever Queen of the Ring than Charlotte Flair? Like she's been given everything else in the fucking company. Anyway, I'm excited about that and I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be interesting to see what Tony Khan does as far as what he's going to do with Double or Nothing, being that it's going to be taking place on Memorial Day weekend. But listen, man, us content creators in the community, I don't think we're complaining about it. It's going to be uh, a very busy weekend for us, Memorial Day weekend, which I'm also kind of pissed about at the same time. Like, I don't want to work on Memorial Day weekend. I want to enjoy my fucking Memorial Day. I want to go to the beach. I want to, I want to have a fucking drink in my hand. I don't want to worry about pro wrestling. And then if you want to travel to these destinations. Like, I'm already thinking, do I want to go to Vegas for double or nothing? I mean, I haven't been to Vegas in a few years, man. I'd love to go back to Vegas at some point. It's been something I've been wanting to do, but the astronomical prices to go and fly out to Vegas and get a flight back and forth and then an Airbnb and bring all my shit, food and drink, and then the fucking merchandise and all this, you're looking at $3,000 easy per person to go to this shit. You know, traveling, a wrestling fan, I don't know how much money they think you have. Like, I can do it, but I refuse to do $3,000 to go fucking fly out to a pro wrestling show and have a weekend in Las Vegas for Memorial Day weekend centered around double or nothing. I mean, it's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. You're automatically going to be turned off by all that. Who the fuck wants to spend that much money? I really wish that they'd wane themselves off of the goddamn uh, holidays, these wrestling holidays, putting pay-per-views on Memorial Day and Fourth of July and Labor Day and all this other shit. I mean, I don't, I don't really find myself to be a big fan of it, but I'm complaining for no reason because I don't really see it changing anytime soon. And if AEW's doing something on a holiday, you know WWE's going to try and you know, you jump into that same pool that AEW's swimming in because, you know, they want to be petty bitches. It's just the way they work. Moving on. Let's get into the good stuff, man. Let's get into the good stuff. Triple H reportedly, reportedly, months ago, I'm going to start at the top. Triple H reportedly was not planning big changes to the WrestleMania 39 card. Do you want to know why? Because when Triple H took over the main roster, he already had just being there since August and kind of getting his feet wet and seeing where things were going and navigating the fucking rough seas that Vince McMahon uh, had WWE venture down. He had to calm the roster. He had to fucking get the, uh, the vessel back on smooth, uh, smooth waters. 
Triple H already knew what he wanted to do. Coming, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Triple H already knew what he wanted to do. Outside of everything else that was going on, knew what he wanted to do coming out of Survivor Series for WrestleMania. The only thing that WWE had a hang up on was Dwayne Johnson. Is he in or is he out? WWE already knew who was winning the Royal Rumble. That's all they were waiting on. As soon as they got word that The Rock couldn't do it, Cody's going to win the Royal Rumble, Cody's going to be the main event of WrestleMania, everything else is going to fall right into place. You cannot, you cannot convince me otherwise that Triple H didn't have a full roadmap to WrestleMania already planned out. That's the way he works. That's what he did in NXT. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, this, this isn't NXT, man. It's the same thing. What do you think? You're getting a fucking different version of Triple H from black and gold to what you got now? The only thing that would be different is that Vince McMahon is in his, is in his fucking ear, which we all know that he is. He wasn't in Triple H's year down in NXT. Triple H is heavily being influenced by other sources, by other little birdies on the main roster. He can't fully do what he wants to do. But there's no one that can convince me otherwise that Triple H didn't have a full roadmap to where he wanted WWE to be going into WrestleMania. So, WWE, they knew Cody Rhodes was going to win the Royal Rumble. They knew Cody Rhodes was their solid plan B for the main event of WrestleMania. We knew that Roman and Cody was going to be a thing at WrestleMania. So, Dave Meltzer, this was, this was months ago. This was around, I'd say, Royal Rumble time, before the Royal Rumble. Dave Meltzer noted that although things have been, you know, tweaked, you know, just a little knob turn here and there, WWE tweaked some things in regards to WrestleMania plans, things are going exactly as planned, and there doesn't look to be any big changes that will take place to the WrestleMania card. Meltzer said this back in January. Almost everything that I've heard of, in fact, everything that I've heard months back, going back to Survivor Series, there have been changes from months back. I would say a month back, everything happened exactly as planned. Every single week, there'd be just a little something tweaked in some way, nothing big, but there'd be, you know, stuff that's tweaked. Now, there hasn't been, and everything has been full focus on what is planned for WrestleMania? Now, what was tweaked? I don't know. Maybe storyline angles and how long, you know, WWE wanted them to play out. When did they wanted to execute certain things happening on TV, which ultimately would lead to the destination that they had already planned. Things like that. Like, nothing was drastically changed. They had opponents in mind. They had matches in mind. Everything was kind of written in pencil. Things were going full-fledged, and then that pencil would turn into pen, and then pen would turn into marker, and everything would be laid out as we get closer to the Rumble and then Elimination Chamber and then on into WrestleMania. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great 
talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. Then you start hearing the rumors that WWE made changes to the WrestleMania card within the last week. Why? Now all of a sudden you're hearing WrestleMania card changes within the last week for what? Why are we changing things four weeks before WrestleMania? Again, I need to stress to you, this is not Triple H. Triple H is not changing shit. You're not going to hear it in the dirt sheets. You're not going to hear it from WWE because they don't want you to know that things internally aren't completely being spearheaded by Triple H. You think with the rumors that SAP put out there and everybody else put out there with Vince McMahon being back in creative that Fightful had an anonymous source reach out to WWE or reach out from WWE to Fightful, that they feel Vince McMahon is back in charge in some capacity in the creative department. There was no follow-up on that story. You got posters going around, internal fucking posters, that WWE had leaked to the general public, these movie-style posters to promote WrestleMania. I showed you guys on my Thursday stream. I think I still may have it up. I think I still may have it up. Let me see. Yeah, we have it right here. This is what they showed. This is what they showed. Look at where my arrow is pointing here. If you guys are watching on YouTube, if you guys listening on Spotify, you're probably asking yourself, well, asshole, I can't see anything. Don't worry about it. Go back to the YouTube video. For you guys right now in the chat, look at that. What does that say? Directed by Vince McMahon. And you want people, you want people to look at that and then not freak out. I guarantee you that's where all of the concern came from. If WWE wants to vehemently deny that Vince McMahon is not in WWE creative, then why is something like that promotionally made for WWE to put out to the public to hype up WrestleMania? Then you got the geeks. You're always going to have the Vince McMahon, you know, army out there for some odd reason. I don't know what the fuck they, they bowed down to Vince McMahon. They think this guy is like God walking on earth. Vince McMahon, he's got his loyalists. He does. You got people out there thinking that he's going to do a better job or he was doing a better job than what Triple H is doing right now. False. Absolutely false. I don't know why Vince McMahon, who supposedly is not in charge of anything outside of facilitating a sale of the company, I don't know why something like that is made if he has no say in creative at all. Oh, but it's his company. I don't give a shit if it's his company or not. He's not a part of the creative team. We were told as a general public that Vince McMahon has no backstage role. He's not backstage in any capacity at all. He has no creative say outside of a phone call here or a phone call there with Triple H. That Triple H publicly said he does talk to Vince McMahon about creative Why is he on the promo poster? Oh, it's his event. WrestleMania is his baby. No shit. 
but he's not in charge of WrestleMania. WrestleMania Ghost Hollywood is a Triple H production, not a Vince McMahon production. Then you want to know why people are upset and why people are fucking causing a shitstorm on social media and why people are making videos on it and why it's a topical discussion. It is a major deal. If Vince McMahon is back in creative, it is a major fucking deal. A major deal. So then you read all these reports about, oh, Triple H has everything planned out for WrestleMania months in advance. Then things are changing. Matches are changing. And now we see the poster and the rumor going around. I mean, is it, is it something that you want us to ignore? I mean, everything is right there, right in front of you, in plain sight. Can you blame us for asking questions? Things are changing. Shit that you see on TV is not adding up. It doesn't make sense. Is it, is it really unfair of us to be questioning if Vince McMahon is back in charge? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Go back and look at what had happened. This is coming out of December, going into January at the start of the new year, getting us ready for the Royal Rumble. It all started with Charlotte Flair winning the championship the way that she did from Ronda Rousey. Now, Triple H, I believe, was a little bit more in charge there because that's when Vince McMahon was getting his shit ready and kind of prepping his return, and that was the only thing really on his mind. You know, come the end of December, going into January, Vince kind of blew up the board of directors and he made himself ultimate power. He hired Michelle Wilson and George Barrios back. That was what he was concerned with. So I do believe that he does have some creative say. But if you look at some of the just weird and bizarre shit that WWE's done creatively on Monday and Friday night, I mean, it is not out of the realm of possibility that Vince McMahon has had some say in what is going on. Because before that, what the fuck else was he doing? You know for a fact. And Triple H even stated around then, yeah, I yield some phone calls from Vince McMahon. We do talk about creative. We do talk about things that should be going on creatively. I mean, they probably have fucking dinner together with with, uh, the entire family on Sunday night, for all we know. Who knows? You you think Vince McMahon and Triple H are ignoring each each other for all this time? Of course not. So go back to when Charlotte Flair won the championship from Ronda Rousey. The way that she came back and did absolutely nothing to earn a championship match. Legitimately, the woman was away for seven months. You think that was a Triple H idea? I don't think Triple H booked that idea. Now you go back and look at Triple H's track record in NXT You know, everybody's like, oh, Triple H is not as great as you make him out to be. Triple H has made his fair share of errors. I don't give a fuck what you think. We've never seen reckless booking, reckless abandonment like that in NXT while Triple H was in charge. Never. So why would he all of a sudden do that on the main roster? It does not make any sense. It doesn't. I do not believe that was a Triple H idea. I think he was convinced to do that and it was not his idea and that that idea came from Vince McMahon. Triple H does not do something like that. He doesn't. It's not in his, it's not in the way he writes at all. Then you go and look at the way WWE had set out Cody Rhodes. WWE promoted him in... The Royal Rumble, three weeks before the Royal Rumble, 
Cody Rhodes wasn't even cleared for the Royal Rumble, and they already had promoted him to be in the Royal Rumble. That is a reckless maneuver. That is a reckless move. Then all of a sudden, he comes out at number 30. The Royal Rumble matches are so-so. They're very mid. They're very subpar. It's a moment that kind of falls flat on its face. It wasn't as big as it was. It was the plan. It could have been executed a little bit better. I don't know how much or if any influence Vince McMahon had on that. You see something like the Maximum Male Models on TV. You see something like that that went away when Triple H took over. And all of a sudden, they're back. And they have some sort of presence on Monday Night Raw. Now they're trying to recruit Otis. It's like, why did this come back? And why is this on TV when Triple H took this and it died when he took over? Like it should have died when it, when it took over. Now all of a sudden, it's back. Why? Is that something that Vince McMahon ordered Triple H to do? I like this gimmick. We made this gimmick. Let's see if it works. No, it sucks. It sucks. Ronda Rousey, you know, that's another story. I don't know what what happened there. Ronda was supposedly going rogue. She was supposedly going to turn heel. We finally got that. I don't know what happened there. She came out of that babyface role that she was in, and then she went heel, and then WWE kind of scaled back on that, and then they started doing it again. Very mixed back and forth with Ronda Rousey. Then we get... Something like Omas and Bray, and, and Bray Wyatt with Brock Lesnar. All this rumor about Bobby Lashley, Bray Wyatt, Omas, Brock Lesnar. You know, you could look at that and, and say, you know, that's not really a Triple H idea either. I don't believe it is. For months, we heard Brock Lesnar's opponent is going to be top secret. Top secret. Now, before the geeks take me out of context... You know, we will find out tomorrow on Monday night. But all of the report, the reports, Dave Melcher saying it, uh, Inside the Ropes is saying it, Cultaholic is saying I mean, they all say that this is what they are going with. That is the internal plan right now to do Brock Lesnar and Omas at WrestleMania. And then Bray Wyatt versus Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. You cannot convince me that that was the original plan. You can't. You cannot sit there and say, yes, that was Bray Wyatt's original plan. That was Brock Lesnar's original plan. Omos, I I said this on Twitter, and Alex McCarthy, a WWE, you know, I don't want to say shill. He's a nice guy on social media. He's a a very pro-WWE Twitter account. He does PR work for them. He he, He does media for them over in the UK. Even he tweeted me. Because I, I quote tweeted Louis Dangor, who's some fucking young geek over with Give Me Sport, right, who covers WWE. And, and Lewis is like, oh, yeah, you know, Triple H changed the plans for Brock Lesnar and Omos at WrestleMania. That's what they're going. Triple H changed Brock Lesnar's plans at WrestleMania. No, Lewis, let me fix that for you. Vince McMahon changed the plans for Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And then Alex McCarthy tweeted at me because I said, I could count on one hand how many times I've seen Omos on WWE television since the start of the year. And all of a sudden, you want me to believe that Triple H, out of nowhere, Omos is ice cold. The only thing that he has to do on WWE television is maybe be in the Hurt Business. He hasn't really been featured in any major matches since he he lost to Bobby Lashley. You want me to believe Triple H is going to take somebody that's dead ice cold on television and put them in the ring with Brock Lesnar? 
I don't find that to be a Triple H idea at all. That is 100% a Vince McMahon idea. That is something that Vince pushed at WrestleMania. Then we get Bobby Lashley and Bray Wyatt. Why? Bray Wyatt was the hottest act in all of wrestling coming out of Extreme Rules, going into the viral campaign that everybody was so into. We get into November and December and January. LA Knight and Bray Wyatt was some of the best television on SmackDown. A little overdone, a little slow with the story. We need to pay off here and there. But other than that, it killed every segment that it was on. I loved the interactions between LA Knight and Bray Wyatt. Then we get to the Royal Rumble. That match went five minutes. It was nothing but a hokey, cringy fucking spot fest with neon lights and a pitch black advertisement for Mountain Dew. And then after that, Bray Wyatt has fallen off of a cliff. You mean to tell me that they just all of a sudden stopped booking Bray Wyatt? You want me to believe that the story for Bray Wyatt to finalize what he's doing with his past gimmick before he got fired, you want me to believe that the finality of Bray Wyatt and his story, which we have not even gotten close to yet, everybody said it was going to be a payoff at WrestleMania, that Bray Wyatt was going to have storyline built from when he showed up to WrestleMania. Plans were in place for all these months for Bray Wyatt. You want me to believe that the end goal for Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania is the fucking Hurt Business and Bobby Lashley? I don't believe that for a single solitary fucking second. I don't. I don't believe that at all. Nobody can convince me that was the plan for Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt and Bobby Lashley have nothing to do with each other, period. They've never crossed paths. They've never said anything. It just makes for a terrible match. I don't know why anybody thinks that's going to be some sort of banger at WrestleMania. I'm not intrigued by that at all. Bobby Lashley is not the most graceful fucking guy in the ring. Bray Wyatt, I think, is a great pro wrestler when you let the fucking guy wrestle. Him and his style mixed with Bobby Lashley? I I don't know about that one, bro. I don't know about that one. So I find it very difficult to believe that Bobby Lashley was the plan for Bray Wyatt all these months coming out of Extreme Rules, going into Survivor Series. I can't believe that Triple H had that penciled in. Yeah, we're just going to do Bobby Lashley versus Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. False. They are both Vince McMahon matches. Easy. And it is not difficult to see why they would be Vince McMahon match. Omos and Brock Lesnar. I mean, if you want to tell me that Vince McMahon is definitely in some way, shape, or form, you know, booking WrestleMania, that's all you need to tell me because that's not a Triple H match. I don't, give a, I don't give a shit what Sapp says. I don't give a shit what Wade Keller says, what Dave Meltzer says. That is a Vince McMahon-made match. And then you got the geek. You legitimately have some geeks online saying that this is going to be great for Omos. This is going to look good for Omos. Omos standing in the ring, being there with Brock Lesnar and dominating Brock Lesnar for a little bit. It's going to be a good match. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make Omos. Why are you already capping his ceiling? Because he sucks. He's ice cold. No reaction when he comes out. Nothing interesting comes off of him when he's on TV. I can't stand the sight of him. And you want me to think that with somebody like that, who already wrestled Bobby Lashley, he should have been put over with that feud. You think Brock Lesnar is going to do something that Bobby Lashley could not? 
You're going to end up getting the same fucking match that you got with Bobby Lashley, and it's going to end in the same result. You think Omos is going to is going to beat Brock Lesnar? You think Lesnar is going to lose to Omos? Now, again, before somebody takes me out of context, we could all be complaining for no reason, and this could all be one of those big ha-ha-ha-ha uh, moments for WWE, and we get something else at WrestleMania with Brock Lesnar and, and Bobby Lashley, and none of what is being talked about here either happens or it's kind of mashed together in some triple threat match. Maybe tomorrow we get the Hurt Business back together. Maybe Omos is nothing more than a stand-in, a fill-in, to get the Hurt Business back together. Maybe it's some sort of big troll job, some big setup by MVP to get the Hurt Business out together to attack Brock Lesnar, and it leads to Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania one final time, winner take all, last man standing, or something along those lines. Maybe. But that's not what half of the fucking community said. Everybody said this is a done deal confirmed. And Bray Wyatt versus Bobby Lashley is going to be taking place. Now, I don't know what happened at the end of that Funhouse segment. We got a couple of people saying that Alexa Bliss was playing with The Undertaker puppets on SmackDown. We got somebody saying that the game show host, you know, voice before they kind of kicked it to Bray Wyatt, who was standing there in a wig and pretending like he was a game show host on the Firefly Funhouse on Friday. Some people were claiming that the voiceover in the segment was Eric Young, who WWE just picked up from Impact. Eric Young used to be in WWE before Vince fired him and the rest of Sanity. He was the leader of Sanity. So are we looking at a real Wyatt Six come together? What's the secret that Bray Wyatt's talking about? Are we going to get more members of the Wyatt Six unveiled before WrestleMania? Four weeks, you want to unveil members of the Wyatt Six to go against the Hurt Business? I don't really understand that logic. It definitely sounds like a Vince McMahon piece together at the last minute move, if you ask me. You know, there are things that people are talking about, but at the end of the day, these plans are not what were planned in November, going into December, going into January. It's not the way Triple H operates. It's not. And you want me to sit here and not be concerned about something like that. You could also look at the fact that WWE has only announced three fucking matches for WrestleMania. Now, we got what the WrestleMania card is going to be. We got a whole slew of matches that could be. We got John Cena versus Austin Theory. We got Edge versus Finn Balor, potentially in a Hell in a Cell. We got the Bianca Belair Oscar match. We got the Charlotte Rhea Ripley match. We got the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Usos match. We got Roman Cody and whatever, whatever else WWE is going to do with that show. Gunther, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre. I, I don't know what else that they have planned. You know, you got your Becky Lynch and Lita possibilities against Ronda and Shayna. We got Damage Control maybe defending against Ronda and Shayna. We got Bailey somehow maybe getting involved with Trish Stratus, who's rumored to come back. There's still a whole bunch of what-ifs going on. But that has been revolving and changing week to week. I do believe WWE, I do believe Vince called Triple H and told him, to bring Lita back as well. I don't think that's a Triple H thing. I don't. Especially not what we heard going into the Royal Rumble. Triple H specifically hired all of these women back that Vince McMahon fired to add depth 
to the Royal Rumble and the women's division. So he didn't have to dip into the legends pool. How many legends did you see in the Royal Rumble? Lita wasn't even in the Royal Rumble. Tristratus was not in the Royal Rumble. How many other legends missed out on the, on the Royal Rumble? The Bellas weren't in the Royal Rumble. Michelle McCool was the only one in the Royal Rumble. Alicia Fox didn't make it. Molly Holly, the cat. None, none, none of them were in there. Candice Michelle, Lillian Hall, none of them. Tori Wilson. Why would Triple H go out and use those women when he has a whole slew of women on the active roster right now that would be better served to get that opportunity in front of the WWE fans. Lita was not in the Royal Rumble. You want to tell me that all of a sudden Lita just shows up on Monday Night Raw and yeah, Triple H just called Lita up to be at WrestleMania? That's another Vince McMahon move. No doubt about it. It doesn't correlate. It doesn't coincide with the story that we heard before the Royal Rumble where Triple H wanted to focus on the now, the current talent now. Why do we need Lita and Trish and all these Hall of Famers? Oh, but WWE tends to bring in the Hall of Famers for WrestleMania. We don't need to do that this year. WrestleMania is sold out for night one and night two. Why do we need that? People are there and excited about what's going on with the current stars. No, but Vince called Lita up and told Triple H to include Lita at WrestleMania. And that's why we're getting plans changing back and forth when he probably already had the plans written on whatever he wanted to do. Vince has a say in what's going on. Vince has a say in WrestleMania. You should not sit, you, you should not sit there and, and think Triple H is solely in charge of WrestleMania because it was never going to happen. I told you this from day one. I told you this with the Sami Zayn narrative. Everyone's like, oh, Sami Zayn should have won the world titles in Montreal at Elimination Chamber. Do you genuinely think Vince McMahon would allow, as long as he's alive and breathing, do you think he would allow Sami Zayn to A, beat Roman, and then B, walk into WrestleMania as the company's world champion going into WrestleMania. The reason why Sami Zayn did not win the world championships is because of Vince McMahon. Could it have been a possibility? Maybe. I don't know. But Vince McMahon was never going to allow that to happen because he wants WrestleMania to look and feel a certain way, and he's not going to get that look and certain feel with Sami Zayn going into the event, in the main event, as world champion. Vince McMahon has a say on everything that happens. Everything. How it looks, how it sounds, how it comes off, the production of it, the, the, uh, the look of it, the, the, the whole promo of it, how it's being, you know, shilled out to the public. He has a say in everything about WrestleMania. It is his. He was never going to allow himself to be away from WWE in the way that we wish he was away during WrestleMania season. It's just the way of life. It's just the way that it is. You need to understand that. Now, again, I said this on Thursday. Do you think that Vince McMahon... Or do I think, rather, Vince McMahon is completely in charge of creative? No. Not yet. I don't think he's in charge of creative fully yet. Is the possibility there? You better fucking believe it. It's the reason why he's back trying to sell the company. He wants all that power back, and he's going to sell it. And one of the main things that he wants is to sell it to somebody that is going to appoint him 
as ultimate power running the company so that he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Take it private, get rid of the board of directors, have no say from the shareholders because he will take it private, and then he will do whatever the fuck he wants with it because that's his ultimate goal. He wants to get back at everybody that kind of erased what he did over the last seven, eight, nine months. He wants to get back at everybody that told him to step away and retire, you know, and and go away and take care of your business and all this shit. He's going to pay off all of his fucking lawsuits. He's going to sell the company. He's going to take it private. And then he's going to fucking royally screw over every single person that has done him wrong. And he's going to get back to where he was before June. That is the reason why the company is being sold. Not because they're looking to sell the company right now, because that's what he needs to do, and that was his only way to get back where he needs to be. I don't think he's in charge yet. Does he have a say? Absolutely. If you want to tell me that Vince McMahon's not in charge, you're in denial and you're being naive. Vince McMahon is absolutely, in some way, shape, or form, a part of creative. Triple H said so. Triple H said so. Triple H says that he takes phone calls from Vince McMahon on a weekly basis. Triple H says that some of the storyline that you're watching with the bloodline, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, is being overlooked by Vince McMahon. And WrestleMania, Vince McMahon is not going to allow Triple H to completely book WrestleMania the way that he wants. Because if that happens, and I've said this for years, you know Triple H is going to put on a banger WrestleMania. Vince McMahon cannot stand to see his son-in-law do what he did all these years better than him in his first, not even full year in there. Vince will not allow it to happen. There is a greed and there is some sort of envy there that is undescribable. It is fucking absolutely, you, you can't even, I can't even fathom the jealousy and the envy and the greed that is emanating from that fucking human being. That's just the way it is. That's why NXT was killed. Every single time. They weren't talking about the main roster in conjunction with uh, a weekend with NXT. Everybody was talking about NXT and how great NXT was. At the first drop of a fucking dime, they looked to kill it or kill it, and they did. They killed it. How many, to- how many times did we talk about Triple H over overstepping Vince McMahon and Triple H being the fucking guy that's going to take the keys to the kingdom and what he's doing with NXT needs to be done on the main roster and how WWE has the the chance of being great again under his leadership with what he did with NXT. You don't think Vince and Bruce and his team heard all that? It's the same thing happening now. Triple H is hanging on by a thread, if you ask me. He's allowed to do whatever he's got to do. He's basically keeping the fucking pen warm for Triple H again, for uh, Vince McMahon. Triple H is keeping that that pen warm for Vince McMahon. That's all he's doing right now. Is he in charge? Yes and no. Is he in charge completely? No. Is he going to be potentially be back in charge? Absolutely. I don't think he's in charge completely yet. You will know. Watch the fucking show. I said this on Thursday. Watch the show. All you need to do is watch the show. You will know when Vince McMahon's back in charge. And things have changed. Things have changed for the better. Things have kind of regressed back to where they were. We're seeing less wrestling on Monday night. I'm telling you, I said this on Thursday. Go back and watch those Monday night Raws after the first couple of weeks Triple H took over. We were getting four or five matches, banger matches, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of pro wrestling on Monday night. Now we're back to the usual formula of Monday night Raw. Seven, eight matches. Some of the matches go two or three minutes. 
We got Chad Gable wrestling for fucking three minutes on Monday night. Ali and Ziggler went two minutes on Monday night. The ladies get three minutes. I mean, we're, we're seeing more two, three, four-minute matches than anything. That's what used to be done. That kind of formula started to go away when Triple H started taking over in the early stages. Now, we're back and reg- we, we are regressing towards what we were before Triple H took over. Just things like that that I pick up. Even that, you should be asking, well, why does Monday Night Raw kind of feel different? Why are certain things happening that should not be happening? That isn't really Triple H-esque. Watch the show. If you start hearing dick jokes and you start hearing lewd humor and you start seeing more maximum male models and you see a 24-7 title segment and shorter matches and questionable booking decisions creatively on who wins and who loses, maybe less of somebody that you were seeing a lot more of with Triple H in charge, that is shit to look out for. That is shit to look out for. But all of this recent shit, WWE only announcing three matches for WrestleMania, nothing's really been announced yet. Hall of Fame hasn't been announced yet. We're four weeks away from the WWE's biggest show of the year, and we have no fucking Hall of Fame inductions yet. Normally, they start after the Royal Rumble. We got zero info on the Hall of Fame. You think that's Triple H? I can tell you right now, Triple H has no say who goes into the Hall of Fame and that they're all being handpicked by Vince McMahon. Guarantee it. Otherwise, we would have already heard about the first inductions. We're four weeks away from WrestleMania, and we have no Hall of Fame inductions yet. Has anybody asked that? Anybody been concerned with that? This is the type of shit that I pay attention to. You mean to tell me that Triple H doesn't have one single fucking headliner in mind that he could have already announced? I mean, Dave Batiste has been lobbying for a fucking Hall of Fame induction because he didn't want to go into the Hall of Fame in front of an empty gymnasium with virtual screens. He wants in the Hall of Fame. He says he wants to do it in front of the fans. You don't think Triple H wants to put Batiste in the Hall of Fame? Why wasn't he announced already? Shit like that you need to start paying attention to. Now, as far as all that, watch the show. Please, just watch the show. You'll know when Vince McMahon's back in charge. Change is made. Brock Lesnar, Omos, Bray Wyatt, Bobby Lashley. While speaking on The Observer, Dave Meltzer was talking about WWE going in the direction of Omos and Brock Lesnar when he noted that there had been changes to the WrestleMania card as of last week. He also stated that while fans can't speculate, can speculate whether the match was suggested by Vince McMahon, who was high on Omas while he was in charge of creative, if Lesnar didn't want to do the match, then he wouldn't do it. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. Brock Lesnar, when Vince McMahon had retired that same day on SmackDown, Brock Lesnar walked out claiming that he would not work with anybody but Vince McMahon. So I don't give a shit what Dave Meltzer says about Lesnar. Or if Lesnar didn't want to do it, he wouldn't do it. There may be some fact to that, but even more so, if Vince McMahon presented this to Brock Lesnar, if Vince McMahon came to Brock Lesnar with this Omos match and stated and cited reason after reason after reason why he wants Lesnar to do the match and why he thinks the match should happen at WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar's going to do it. If Triple H came to Brock Lesnar and said, I want to put you in a match with Omas and cited this, 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 
Brock Lesnar would have absolutely said no. Nobody pays attention to that type of shit. Brock Lesnar walked out when Vince McMahon was. He physically walked out to a point where several people had to go and calm him down for him to come back to the fucking show. He, st- he stated himself he does not want to work with anybody creatively unless it's Vince McMahon. Who knows what they did and what they said to get him back if they're paying him more. I don't know. I don't know. Nobody pays attention to that type of shit. This is definitely a Vince McMahon match just based off that. I can't say that was due to Vince, but I can say that was a change. Most of this WrestleMania card is, Meltzer stated, most of this WrestleMania card was planned out. They actually planned out most of the card further in advance than usual, which is Paul Levesque's credit, probably. Usually some of the top matches are planned out in December, November. I told you. I told you. And then you kind of fill it in from there. This one, there's a lot by October that they had. There's definitely been many changes since October also. This was a change. I can't say the day the Lesnar match changed, and then it might change Monday too. We don't know. It could change Monday. I'm not sure if it's a swerve, but I do know that there were changes to the card in the last week or two for whatever that was. Vince McMahon has a say in WrestleMania, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. That's just one of many changes. What are the other changes? I don't know. But please, stop being naive about WrestleMania and Vince McMahon and his involvement. It's a big story. It will continue to be a big story because this is the third fucking time that it's been in the news. If Vince McMahon was not in charge in some way, it wouldn't hit the dirt sheets. It wouldn't be talked about. It wouldn't be filtered from somebody in the company to a Sap or a Wade Keller or a Meltzer. It is going to be a story for, for every people that, or for every person that don't want me to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it because it's going to be something that gets progressively worse as we move on into WrestleMania season. That's just the way it's going to be. I'm going to talk about it three times now and then pull back. Sap didn't even follow up with this story. WrestlingNews.co didn't follow up with it. Wade Keller said vehemently from people that I talked to that he's not in charge. Of course, of course they're going to tell you he's not in charge. What do you expect for them to tell you? Yeah, Vince McMahon's back in charge. Do you know the shitstorm it would cause everywhere if they said, yeah, Vince McMahon's back in charge? He can't be especially in the public. He's not supposed to be. But when has Vince McMahon ever followed the fucking rules? Triple H. He wants a smaller WrestleMania card. WWE talent unhappy about not being on the show. This year's WrestleMania card will not include a lot of names for the big event on Saturday and Sunday. WrestlingNews.co is told that Triple H wants a small card this year, which means that a lot of names that have been working on TV and live events throughout the year will be hanging out backstage during the show. In prior years, there was an effort to include as many wrestlers on the card as possible and a battle royal that would be added to the card to at least give the undercard a chance to be featured on the show. WrestlingNews.co was told that this year there is no battle royal planned for the men or the the women, and only a small handful of talent are being used. 
There also is some unhappiness about some of the slots on the show being used by legends and celebrities. Obviously, things could change, but those we spoke to were not happy about not being involved in the company's biggest show of the year in Los Angeles for WrestleMania 39, says WrestlingNews.co. Triple H wants a smaller WrestleMania card. Talent is unhappy about it. Good. Good. I don't know what you guys are expecting. I've prepped you. I've tried to get you ready for this for years. What has Triple H done? I didn't see people complaining about the Elimination Chamber and how there were only five matches on the show. I didn't hear people complaining about the Royal Rumble with two Royal Rumble matches and maybe three undercard matches for five matches total. I didn't get people complaining about Extreme Rules and the fact that there were only six matches there. Survivor Series had the two War War Games matches. I I don't understand why you guys are complaining about this. This is the same thing that Triple H did on NXT Black and Gold. The the, the less you get for a pay-per-view, the better the quality will be. Quality over quantity is his mentality. Always been that way. Always. So I don't know why everybody in the locker room is now surprised and upset. I don't know why the fans are crying that they want more on the WrestleMania card. I don't. I don't. The fuck do you need 10, 11 matches per night at WrestleMania? Why do you need 9, 10 matches on a fucking B-level Extreme Rules pay-per-view? Why? This is the same problem I have with Tony Khan. This is the same thing I have a problem with when it comes to AEW shows. The pay-per-views are too long. Now, granted, Peacock charges $9.99 per month for you to watch WWE Premium Live events. AEW's got to go through traditional pay-per-view means, Fight TV, Bleacher Report app, and charge you $50 for an HD version of every pay-per-view that they do, which at this point is only five per year. I feel like people think that Tony Khan needs to load up those shows to warrant a $50 price tag. But I'll tell you what, that's bullshit. For every takeover that we had under Triple H, for every black and gold takeover, I would have paid that same price for those quality shows at $50 each. With five matches on the show, long-term booking, investment from the fans into the stories that are being told on TV, I would have paid $50 plus some for all of those takeovers because at the end of it, not only were we satisfied, but my God, we wanted more. I don't understand why people are upset about this. This is the way Triple H does things. He wants to leave you with quality over quantity. He wants you to leave WrestleMania wanting more. When you leave night one, he wants you to be excited about what's to come for night two. When you leave that entire show, night one and night two, he wants you to be excited about the Raw after Mania and beyond. Plus, WWE's got a build for TV as well. They want to save some of these matches, maybe for the go-home show on Monday Night Raw. Maybe we get the go-home show on SmackDown. And maybe we get some of those matches that we're not going to get at WrestleMania on those shows, which makes Raw and SmackDown must-see. It makes the quality of those shows better. And everything has a trickle-down effect. But I don't understand why you need to load up all these shows and lessen the quality of the shows. Plus, if you're not in anything major right now, if there's no major storylines going on right now, who the fuck says you need to be on the show for the sake of being on the show? 
Again, this is a Tony Khan problem. Revolution should be seven matches, tops. We got a fucking match that's going to go over an hour. The fuck do we need nine matches plus one of those matches going an hour for? I don't want to be here for five hours watching a fucking wrestling pay-per-view. Nobody wants to do five hours of anything, let alone watch pro wrestling. I started to see some people already complain about the pitch clock that the MLB is going to be adopting this year because they want to cut the time down from the actual game. Now, some of you might not like MLB baseball. I watch a lot of baseball in the spring and summer months. You guys know I love my Atlanta Braves. But sometimes the games go long. What if they go extra innings? You're sitting there for four, four and a half hours. Game could go into the 15th fucking inning. Who wants to sit there, especially if you're there and at home? Who wants to watch four and a half hours of anything? I know I don't. I know I don't. It's not like we got fucking Peter Jackson directing Lord of the Rings. I mean, that's the only thing I'd sit for three and a half hours, four hours for. Because that shit, I mean, that's just, that's just a different realm. I, I, you know, you, you can't sustain that type of quality throughout these wrestling shows. There's going to be, every show has a down period. Every show. There's going to be something on that show that you don't want to see. But why are people upset about this? They're trying to lessen the game of baseball. I, I was watching the Braves and Red Sox game. Well, a, a game that normally would go over three hours was finished in two hours and 28 minutes. Now, I don't like it because I'm a traditionalist. I, I don't like it because I think it's going to actually do more harm than good. And shit's going to get fucked up in the playoffs. I know for a fact that shit's going to come into play for the playoffs. And something's going to go completely fucking wrong. That's what I'm concerned with. But I don't know why people are upset that they're trying to lessen the game. That's what WWE needs to do. That's what AEW needs to do. They need to lessen the time of these events. WrestleMania should should not have more than seven, eight matches tops for one night. That's why we split it into two nights. If Triple H wants to do five matches, six matches for one night, maybe seven on another, you know, you can't really fault him for that. That's the way he operates. If if you are not involved in something, he's not the type of guy that's just going to throw you on the show for whatever reason. The Battle Royal has been shit. You want him to bring back something that Vince McMahon has made absolutely irrelevant and mean nothing over the years just so that you get on the show? I'm sorry. There's a time, there's a place, there's a year for you to work towards something like that. That needs to come to an end. Everybody's citing, oh, the wrestlers are going to get paydays, bigger paydays at WrestleMania. Their pay increases if they make WrestleMania. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great, but you're not involved this year. Those who are involved should be on the show. Those that are in major storylines right now are going to be on the show. If you, know, if you are not involved in anything, if you are an Otis, if you're a Maximum Male Models, if you're a Chad Gable who's not in any storylines, if you're a Street Profits, if you're um, a Braun Strowman that isn't in anything, why are we just going to put you on the show for the sake of putting you on the show? If you are in a storyline, then I understand. If not, this is the way that it has to be. I'm sorry. I love it. It makes WrestleMania that much more important, and it makes those spots coveted year after year. Do you know what that does to the mentality of the locker room as well? How many people worked to get on those takeover shows? They made those takeover shows so big and so important 
that people on the weekly shows busted their fucking ass to make sure Triple H took notice so that they can get on the next takeover when call-ups happened and they wanted new people to be pushed up, up at the top and they needed new stars. How much harder did those stars work to get on the show? I love it. It should be that way. It should be the biggest show of the year. Coveted. Not just some pity party to get everybody involved. Oh, it's WrestleMania. That was a Vince McMahon era. This is not a Vince McMahon era anymore or shouldn't be a Vince McMahon era anymore. I love it. Backstage news on what will main event night one of WrestleMania. This is a highly talked about topic in the community. And right now, the only matches that we have for WrestleMania that are confirmed are Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. We know is headlining night two of WrestleMania. Confirmed. The other matches that are announced right now are Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley and Oscar versus Bianca Belair, both for the women's championship, SmackDown and Raw women's championships. Now, although... It hasn't been confirmed yet on what will main event night one. The going belief is that Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley is being pushed to main event night one because of equality for the women and because of political reasons and push from sponsors that are going to be sponsoring WrestleMania. Flair has publicly been pushing for WWE to let her and Rhea Ripley headline the first night as it is arguably the second biggest match on the card right now that is confirmed. Now, that will obviously change when Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens come together and challenge the Usos for the tag team championships. But Dave Meltzer reported that the internal feeling in WWE is that Flair versus Rhea Ripley is the main event of night one right now, but it is not confirmed. It is being discussed. I also read a report this Sunday, tonight, that right now the internal belief also is that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos right now is taking precedent over Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley to main event night one as well, depending on how that storyline is going to play out. Meltzer says this, Reigns versus Rhodes is expected to headline the second night. There is no decision on the main event past an internal feeling that Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley right now is the favorite. There is a push for that match to happen because of sponsors pushing for it and for political reasons. After the men main evented both nights last year, it would be good for a women's match says Meltzer. This is coming from internal WWE management. Good for a women's match to headline, and the feeling Flair versus Ripley is right now stronger than Bianca versus Asuka for the spot. If there is Usos versus Zayn and Kevin Owens, one would think that that would be the other favorite. Now, You know, I, 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 I don't hold anything back when it comes to Charlotte. I can't stand the woman on TV. She may be the sweetest fucking woman that there could be. I, I cannot stand what WWE has done to Charlotte Flair. Okay? First of all, she's come back and she's won the SmackDown Women's Championship. In the manner that she did, I don't know how anybody 
could look at her in a positive way. She's won a championship. She's done nothing with it. She hasn't made the division better at all. She doesn't really care for the division. As long as she's on top, that, that's all that really matters. Charlotte Flair came back after seven months being away, and she was handed a women's championship with the idea from the community that Charlotte is better than Ronda as a leader of the division. Meanwhile, we have Charlotte now as the champion, and Ronda was the old champion who also did nothing with it, and there is no difference between Charlotte and Ronda. They're both garbage. The division has not gotten better. The division still sucks. There's still a glaring fucking depth issue on the SmackDown side. And Charlotte, I mean, for political reasons, like they want to get this match into the main event of WrestleMania, Charlotte is only pushing for Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania because the going rumor was, oh, Charlotte Bianca, they talked about that. Ric Flair talked about that before the Royal Rumble. There was a possibility that Rhea Ripley and Bianca could be the match at WrestleMania because that was something that WWE was actually going to do at Money in the Bank last year, and then Rhea Ripley got hurt, and she had a tooth problem and a jaw problem, and she was out for a few months. They bypassed that. They went right back to Bianca and Becky Lynch. Then Damage Control comes onto the scene on Monday night, and that Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair storyline was right out the fucking window. They never went back to do that at all. Charlotte Flair is only pushing for this match. And you can quote me on this. You could fucking take this to whomever. I don't give a fuck. This is the way it is. The only reason why Charlotte's pushing for this match is because of political reasons. Charlotte Flair cannot live with the fact that Bianca Belair or Becky Lynch would be the two women that would main event WrestleMania twice over her. That's it. She cannot stand that fact. The reason why Charlotte Flair is pushing for Rhea Ripley because it would be the first time that a woman would main event WrestleMania twice. She did it back at WrestleMania 35. She was in the main event. She was shoehorned into the main event. Boo-hoo-hoo. Cry me a river, Charlotte Flair. She didn't add anything to the fucking match. Should have absolutely been. We all know it should have been Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey one-on-one. And now we are deprived of that match that should have taken place at WrestleMania 35. And we'll never get that one-on-one match with the heat that came from those two women. And if we do it now, it's never, ever, 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 ever even going to come close to what it was back at WrestleMania 35. So we can blame Charlotte Flair for that. She will never allow another woman to be the first woman ever to main event WrestleMania twice. It's got to be Charlotte. It's got to be Charlotte Flair. I said this on Friday. You know, for everybody that wants to praise Charlotte Flair for being the greatest women's champion of all time, You know, I'm not taking anything away from how she works and how she trains and, you know, how good she is because I'm not. I'm not a naive SOB. Charlotte is very good at what she does. But at the end of the day, from what we see on television as fans, creatively, how she's creatively presented on television, someone who's done nothing to even earn the championship that she's holding right now, how can you really go out there and say you're the greatest ever? when you've never earned the right to win that championship based on what we've seen on television? How could you really relish and feel like you deserve it when you've done nothing to earn it? Do you see where I'm coming from with that? 
It's really, really what's bringing the entire Charlotte Flair character down. Now, look at what we did on SmackDown on Friday. That was a Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair promoted face-to-face. We ended up getting zero of Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair because they've said nothing to each other. Now, Rhea Ripley's supposed to be on SmackDown next week. I don't know what they do to make me invested there. But Friday, this past Friday, was nothing more than Dominic and Charlotte Flair, with Charlotte Flair kind of indirectly talking about Andrade's thick burrito. And the fact that she's married to a Latino man after Dominic was hitting on Charlotte Flair on Friday night. If you think that's enough to get me invested in a Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair match, you are a complete blithering idiot. They have done nothing so far with four weeks left to go to invest me in what they're doing for me to say, hey, that deserves to main event WrestleMania. And they have done nothing at all with Charlotte Flair to let me tell you guys in front of all you people listening to me now and weekly, hey, Charlotte Flair deserves to be in the main event of WrestleMania. They have done nothing. Then you're going to get the geeks that say, oh, equality. I am for equality nine days Nine times, nine times out of ten, seven days of the week, I'm for equality, really. But this is one of those moments where I'm not really preaching equality because that's where the political reasons come into play. That's where all the bullshit reasons come into play. We don't need equality in this particular situation because it doesn't really call for equality because if you do that, It's going to bring the match down. You don't think people are going to pick apart what they do, especially with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and the Usos looming in the background thinking, hey, why isn't this the main event? This is the most important storyline in all of the company right now. Why are they not in the main event? If Sami isn't going after the world championship, he should be in the main event for at least something he's doing, and in this case, the tag team championships. If you start pushing Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley as the main event of WrestleMania over something else that everybody deems more important and people start talking, they're going to hone in on those political reasons and it's going to make that match and put those two women in a situation that they don't deserve to be in. First of all, Charlotte Flair doesn't deserve to be there, period. But you don't want that moment being ruined for Rhea Ripley because of political reasons. Yeah, we just put them there because it's equality for the women and they need to main event because the men have one, the women have to have one as well. No. I don't operate like that. I go with what is most important. This year, you cannot refute the fact That Sami Zayn is the hottest man going into... He's hotter than Cody Rhodes going into WrestleMania. And you want to put Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, which right now have done nothing to sell me on that title match. You want to put them in the main event over Sami Zayn? That's going to blow up in their face, and they have no idea what is coming if they go with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Now, they could open the show. They could absolutely open the show. Why not? Give Rhea Ripley the title in the opening match. Set the table on night one. For Rhea Ripley. I love it. Oh, but Rhea Ripley won the Royal Rumble, says the online fucking geek in the IWC. Some Twitter stan who's got Rhea Ripley fucking riddled all over his page. And he fucking tweets heart emojis at Rhea Ripley all all year long. She deserves to main event because she won the Royal Rumble. False. False. Now, I'm going to read to you. I want to thank Randy... 
what's his name? Randy Gassaway on Twitter. Randy did a lot of work for me to come up with this list. And Randy, if you're listening, thank you, brother. I really appreciate this. Everybody wants to claim that Rhea Ripley should win or Rhea Ripley should main event WrestleMania because she won the Royal Rumble. False. I'm going to give you every, every situation from 1988 where someone won the Royal Rumble and didn't main event WrestleMania. You ready for this? Get your pens, get your pencils, get your cold beverages ready because this is going to debunk and refute everybody that comes to you with a fucking argument. I want you to show them this clip right here. We don't need the Royal Rumble winner to main event WrestleMania because this year is different. On any other year, I'd be like, ah, the Royal Rumble winner has to main event WrestleMania. But look at this list. Look at this list. 1988, Hacksaw Jim Duggan won the Royal Rumble. But the WrestleMania main event was Randy Savage versus the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Wow, you guys want Rhea Ripley to main event WrestleMania, but Hacksaw Jim Duggan won the Royal Rumble in 1988. And did he main event WrestleMania? No, he did not. It went to Randy Savage and Ted DiBiase. 1989, Big John Studd won the Royal Rumble. But WrestleMania's main event was Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage. Now, but Rhea Ripley deserves and Charlotte Flair deserves to main event WrestleMania, right? Let's continue on. 1992, Ric Flair won the Royal Rumble and the WWF Championship, which which was vacated at that time. He came out at the number three position, the greatest Royal Rumble of all time, 1992. Nothing has even come close. He won the Royal Rumble, but WrestleMania 9, or WrestleMania 8, rather, was main evented by Hulk Hogan versus Sid Justice. Wow. Well, Ric Flair won the Royal Rumble and the WWF title in the Royal Rumble and still didn't main event WrestleMania 8. Wow. Wow, man. That's, that is some fucking coup for Ric Flair, right? Wow. 1994, Lex Luger and Bret the Hitman Hart won the Royal Rumble, but only Bret performed in the main event of WrestleMania after wrestling Owen Hart in the opening match of WrestleMania 10 at Madison Square Garden. While Luger, who won the Royal Rumble, wrestled Yokozuna in the in the half of the, the middle of the show, and the winner of that went on to wrestle Bret the Hitman Hart in the main event of WrestleMania 10. So, uh, how about Rhea Ripley winning that Royal Rumble main event, man? Not yet, though. I got some more receipts. Don't worry. I got some more receipts. 1995, Shawn Michaels won the Royal Rumble, but the WrestleMania main event was Bam Bam Bigelow versus Lawrence Taylor. You guys remember that one? Yeah, but Rhea Ripley won the Royal Rumble, and she should be in the main event of WrestleMania. 1997, Steve Austin won the Royal Rumble, but the WrestleMania main event was The Undertaker versus Psycho Sid. Austin wrestled Bret the Hitman Hart in one of the greatest matches in the company's history because Austin cheated to win the Royal Rumble in the Alamo Dome in 1997 by being eliminated and then coming in to eliminate, uh, I believe it was Vader, The Undertaker, and Bret the Hitman Hart behind the referee's back because they were attending to Terry Funk and Mankind on the outside and they saw nothing of Steve Austin in the ring being eliminated and then throwing everybody out to win the Royal Rumble. No, but Rhea Ripley deserves to win the Royal Rumble, all right, and go on a WrestleMania main event. Sure thing, sure thing. 
1999, Vince McMahon won the Royal Rumble, but the WrestleMania main event was Steve Austin versus The Rock. Triple H in uh, 2006 main evented WrestleMania against John Cena, but Rey Mysterio won the Royal Rumble. Did not main event WrestleMania because of John Cena and Triple H, and Rey Mysterio was the former record holder in Royal Rumble history. John Cena in 2008 won the Royal Rumble, but the WrestleMania main event was The Undertaker versus Edge. 2010, Edge won the Royal Rumble, but the WrestleMania main event was Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. 2011, Alberto Del Retard won the Royal Rumble, but the WrestleMania main event was John Cena versus The Fucking Miz. The worst WrestleMania main event of all time. And Alberto Del Rio won a 40-man Royal Rumble and still didn't main event WrestleMania. In fact, he opened WrestleMania to win the world title from Edge in 2011. Sheamus won the Royal Rumble in 2012, but the WrestleMania main event was John Cena versus The Rock. 2017, Randy Orton won the Royal Rumble, but the WrestleMania main event was Roman Reigns versus The Undertaker. 2018, Shinsuke Nakamura won the Royal Rumble, but the main event of WrestleMania that year was Roman versus Brock Lesnar in the second worst WrestleMania main event of all time. And in 2019, Seth Rollins won the Royal Rumble, but the WrestleMania main event was Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. Please! Tell me when I am telling lies and please refute the fucking receipts that I just gave you here on this show. Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair does not need to main event WrestleMania and you guys heard it here first. So if anybody wants to tell you why and oh, she won the Royal Rumble and women equality and this and that, I'm sorry, what happened to the equality of all the guys who won the Royal Rumble here and didn't main event WrestleMania? Class dismissed. You're free to go. I'm waiting. Please. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos should undoubtedly, no doubt about it, 100% main event WrestleMania night one when the match is confirmed on TV and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens get back together and whatever Jay Uso does to join Jimmy, that should be the main event of WrestleMania. Simple. There's no way Charlotte Flair could sit there and cry, 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 cry. I'm the champion and Rhea Ripley, I won the Royal Rumble. When I just gave you every Royal Rumble outcome from 1988 in every situation where, this is a lot. That is a lot. So, you know, I I talk about the Royal Rumble being the end-all, be-all for WrestleMania. Whoever wins the Royal Rumble goes on to main event WrestleMania. Clearly, WWE themselves has told you from 1988 all the way up into 2019 that the Royal Rumble does not guarantee a main event spot at WrestleMania. So why should we think that Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley are guaranteed anything? Un. Believable. Uh, but, 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 but women, uh, but equality. Uh, fuck off. Fuck off, man. Unbelievable. Randy. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you with the help on that one, man. I, man, I love I love making geeks look fucking stupid, man. I, I love when we have receipts 
from 1988 to back up everything, man. Now we covered all of our bases. So if you guys want to engage in some geeks on Facebook and some random wrestling chat on Reddit, oh, Rhea Ripley deserves this. Oh. There you go. There you go. Show them, show them this entire clip. Oh, that JD, I fucking hate him. But he's right. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Randy, thank you so much, brother. Anyway, guys, <laughs> check the chat. What do we got going on here, man? Listen, listen, man, I would really appreciate it if you guys hit the thumbs up. We've got 800 likes, man. After that Professor JD segment, I think we need 1,000 likes. I, I really, I think we need 1,000 likes on tonight's video, man. So if you guys can hit that thumbs up, I would really, really appreciate it because I know you're enjoying this shit. And I know you're having some fun in the OTS venue tonight. Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. And memberships always accepting applications to the VIP club right here on Off the Script. Man, I may actually clip that for, uh, for, for Twitter. May actually clip that for Twitter. Man. I love it. I love it. It, bring, it brings a smile to my face to make everybody happy tonight, man. Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. His AEW contract status amidst WWE interest. It's an interesting time for AEW. Could be a rough year for AEW. It's an interesting time for Kenny Omega as well as he's currently the AEW trios champions with the Young Bucks, but he will have one very difficult decision to make regarding his wrestling future when his AEW contract expires. Now, WrestlingNews.co reported that Kenny Omega's deal has expired or is set to expire soon. Now, there was a follow-up to that about Kenny Omega's contract that I'll get into in a second. But as soon as that news hit the, the, the news and the dirt sheets, WWE, we heard reports about, oh, yeah, they want Jay White. Oh, yeah, they want Kota Ibushi. And then there's reports coming out that WWE has somebody else on the free agent market that they're making a bigger priority. Then Jay White. I'm like, who the fuck can that be? People are like, oh, that's Kota Ibushi. No, no, Kota Ibushi is not a bigger priority for WWE over Jay White. Give me a fucking break, okay? Kota Ibushi, how old is Kota Ibushi? He's over 40 years old, isn't he? He doesn't speak fluent English. He doesn't speak English at all, I don't think. And Jay White, 29 years old, just about to turn 30. He's in the best shape of his life. Incredible in-ring performer. Speaks perfect English. Speaks some Japanese and you think that Jay White is not a bigger priority than Kota Ibushi? Come on, people. Come on, man. Stop being naive and stop being dumb, okay? So it got people asking, well, who's the other guy? Who else is a free agent? We found out that it was Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, along with the Young Bucks, signed the four-year deal with AEW when the promotion started in 2019. Now, they probably, in between that time, got pay raises, because of how valuable they were to the company. So I'm assuming they kind of, you know, reworked their contract. And I, I think they got paid a little bit more than what they were getting back in 2019. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that Omega's AEW contract was to have expired at the end of January as he had a four-year deal with no option clause to end time that started on February 1, 2019. However, AEW has added time to his contract due to him missing action for several months last year due to injuries. The maximum amount of time would lead to Omega being under contract right now until November 
But Meltzer was told that the extended time frame hasn't been finalized as far as how long. The feeling is that Omega and the Young Bucks have a good shot of sticking together. Their agent is Barry Bloom, who represents Omega and other top stars as well. He's expected to represent the Young Bucks. I believe Barry Bloom also represents the likes of Cody Rhodes in WWE. So all of their deals are up at the end of the year. I think Omega's in November, and then the Bucks are in January, I believe. And MJF is also supposedly in January as well. Now, Meltzer added that Barry Bloom is going to be representing Omega and the Young Bucks, and the feeling is that they would have a good shot at sticking together. In other words, Barry Bloom has a good shot of getting them a package deal for a lot of money for wherever they go, whether it's AEW or WWE. For decades, Bloom has represented many big names in the business, including Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Chris Jericho, Kevin Nash, Cody Rhodes, amongst others. It is unclear if Omega and the Bucks are leaning in the direction of AEW, WWE, or elsewhere. Maybe they go back to New Japan. But it's worth noting that they had talks with Triple H before AEW even launched. And Omega has been very complimentary of WWE and and has even suggested that AEW and WWE could work together someday. Now... Meltzer noted that Omega's name has been heavily talked about within certain circles of WWE and in other places in the world of pro wrestling. Meltzer did not say who else is interested, but presumably a full-time New Japan Japan deal could be on the table, and companies like Impact might be interested if they could match Kenny Omega's asking price. He's not going to Impact. It's going to be WWE or AEW. Um, If Omega and the Bucks want to headline WrestleMania and work for the largest wrestling promotion in the world— then they are, you know, obviously going to need to go to WWE. And at this stage of their career, you know, with their age, Omega's going to be pushing 40. The Bucks, they're not the young Bucks of old anymore. You know, they're going to be, their body's going to be broken down more so, and they're not at the best shape that they could possibly be in. They would have to consider the move. If that is on the plate for them, if that's off the bucket, if if that's on their bucket list and they want to mark it off their bucket list, it will be something that they have to really contemplate. Omega is 39. Nick Jackson is 33. He's the youngest of them all. And Matt Jackson is 37. Now, of course, everything depends on their family situation and how much they want to be away from their family because AEW's schedule right now is very, very different from WWE and much more, uh, I would say, appealing to somebody who wants to join both promotions. AEW is a little bit more appealing as far as the schedule is concerned. Now... As far as MJF, apparently MJF has a contract up at the end of tw- uh, at the end of 2023, going into January 2024 as well. He was also talked about and named in these reports. See, but the thing is with MJF, I, I-, I consider MJF a non-factor. MJF to me is the most appealing of them all. If I was to choose one of the four, uh, one of the three or the four here, uh, I- I'm choosing MJF over an Omega. And a Young Bucks, no doubt about it, if I'm WWE. He's, he, he's actually at the top of my list more than a Kenny Omega is. But the thing with MJF is, when he was brought back to television, I honestly do believe that when that entire dark period happened and we got all that shit happening going into Double or Nothing last year, and MJF was off TV and we got 
all the hijinks, him missing the, the, the fan signing and the whole airplane incident and him being unhappy and all this other shit. A lot of people were like, oh, it's a storyline. It's this and that. You know, they took what they did there and they made it into a storyline, but it was legit. They turned it into a work and he came back to television and eventually won the world championship. He is the world champion now, and he will not be losing the world championship at all. I mean, you're looking at a Roman Reigns-like title reign for MJF. He's not losing the championship. And we've been kind of tipped off in the past, and MJF's kind of been teasing it before he even won the world championship. The biggest free agent of 2024, right? He's going to make the most money he's ever made in 2024 when there's a bidding war between WWE and, and AEW. Now, why would he go out there on AEW television and promote that weekly? We've kind of heard it die down a little bit now that he's the world champion. He's got the triple B, but MJF is taking the world championship into 2024, and I do believe that that whole bidding war was nothing more than him planting seeds for what is, a, is going to be a major storyline for MJF going into 2024. I don't think MJF is going anywhere. I don't know anything about MJF. I don't know his contract status. I don't know what type of contract he signed. I don't know what him and Tony Khan have discussed. But if I was to make a guess, I mean, Tony Khan is not stupid. You want to lock somebody like that down so that something like this doesn't happen. He's potentially looking at MJF, Kenny Omega, Matt and Nick Jackson, all being free agents at the same fucking time between, you know, November and January. That's, that's not something Tony Khan wants to sit down and really have to fucking deal with because I'm sure he's got a lot going on right now that we probably don't know about. If I was a betting man, I'd probably say he's locked MJF down past 2024, and that's why he allowed him to go on TV to say what he did, the bidding war of 2024, mentioning Vince and Bruce and WWE on his show. I mean, Triple H he's even mentioned on that show, which is forbidden nowadays, but... I don't think MJF's going to be a factor in 2024, uh, but AEW will have that storyline kind of take course in 2024, and I do believe it's going to be centered around the World Championship. I do think the storyline is going to be centered around him teasing, taking the World Championship to other promotions because he's going to be a free agent. I think they're going to find some way to web that into a storyline on TV. Now, Matt, Nick, and Kenny, I don't know. I don't know. Kenny Omega is said to be open-minded about going to WWE. This is coming from Wade Keller and Pro Wrestling Torch. He says, and I quote, I haven't independently verified rumors of WWE being interested in Omega, but I've confirmed that they're aware of Omega's open-mindedness to come to WWE. That's what I've been told, says Wade Keller. That he's open-minded to landing in WWE before his career is over. The attitude is not, I love AEW. I'm going to stay here forever. That is not apparently the belief within WWE. They don't believe that's Kenny's mindset at this point. Omega is valued within WWE from what I can ascertain by people whose opinions matter. But he is not seen at this stage as a wrestler who is so good in the ring that they are just going to do anything to get him. I think that they are very happy with their roster I think that they have a lot of great wrestlers, wrestlers who are at Kenny's level. Kenny would be a good addition. I know there, there is curiosity and intrigue about what they could do with him if they were able to direct him a little bit better because of his character work in three-plus years of Dynamite. 
has not been particularly compelling, and that's something that we hear a lot from people. How many people have said that this is not the same Kenny Omega that we've seen in New Japan, that this is not the cleaner and the best bout machine, the belt collector, Kenny Omega? Omega was having bangers when he was the world champion. But right now, Kenny Omega, you know, if you see him on television, he's more so about having fun, and he doesn't really care if things don't make sense or not. And he wants to go out there and have fun with his buddies. And everything's lighthearted. And the trio's championships don't need to make sense. And there's, there doesn't need to be a storyline with the House of Black. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just fine having great matches with Top Flight and AR Fox. I mean, it's not really the Kenny Omega that we know exists in there. And we have absolutely no say on what he wants to do if he wants to perform and go about his career in that way, that is completely up to him. But, you know, a lot of what is said online and the critique of the fans, you know, the wrestlers might not want to think that it matters, but at the end of the day, it really kind of chips away at it. Like it's like a fucking woodpecker chipping away at the fucking wood, you know? It, 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 it eats away at you a little, a little by little. And I do believe that when he does hear something like that, it'll eventually get to him and say, you know what? I want to go back and do what I did. There's always a period where he wants to be, oh, the best bout machine. And then he wants to go have some fun. And then, you know, he wants to go back and put on five-star bangers again. You, you know for a fact that with that man's work rate and that man's attitude with this business, Kenny Omega is the type of guy that wants things to make sense. At the end of the day, he wants to go out there and be the very best he could be. At some point, after having fun, he's going to want to do that again. Because I know I would. Any human being would want to go back to doing, especially if he's going to call it a career and take more of a, you know, backstage role and take over the video game and this and that. He's going to want to be at that level before he retires because he's going to want to go out on a high note. Anybody, any top tier athlete would want to be put in that position. Kenny Omega's also made it a desire to wrestle AJ Styles at WrestleMania. He said this six years ago before AEW was even a thing. One of his bucket list or bucket goals, you know, bucket list items is to wrestle AJ Styles before they get too old for it to happen at WrestleMania. Omega's 39. AJ Styles is 45. If that is still a desire for Kenny Omega going into November, this may be the last time that that opportunity even arises for Kenny Omega. How important is that to him? Is what he said six years ago still prevalent today? Is that something he's going to keep in the back of his mind? Is that something he has stored in the back of his mind to take into contract negotiations with AEW? I don't know. WWE, according to Wade Keller, they he just told you, he just told you that Omega is valued in WWE. What he brings to the table, he, he is valued, but he is not seen at this stage as a wrestler who is so good in the ring that they're going to do anything to get him. His in-ring ability and what he brings to the table as far as as a performer is nothing. It means nothing to WWE. That is the least of their concerns. Why would Triple H and WWE be wanting Kenny Omega because they want to bring Kenny Omega, the wrestler, into WWE? They don't give a fuck about the, the wrestler Kenny Omega. You kidding me? Everything that they're getting with Kenny Omega as far as his character, what he brings to the table as far as a wrestler, I mean, that is second, third on the list of priorities. 
That is nothing more than the fucking whipped cream and the cherry on the ice cream. They don't give a fuck about that. They want Kenny because it would be EVP number two that Nick Khan puts on his mantle in the office. Right now, Nick Khan has fucking Cody Rhodes, the head of Cody Rhodes, in his office on a fucking mantle above his fireplace. He's got three empty plaques above the fireplace next to Cody Rhodes waiting for Kenny's head, Matt, and Nick Jackson's head. They don't give a fuck about his wrestling ability. They want the EVP, Kenny Omega. They want the satisfaction and the gratitude and the fucking honor of taking another EVP from AEW and killing the company slowly but surely. That's all that matters to them. That is all that matters to them. They don't give a shit about the cleaner. They don't give a shit about the Young Bucks being the best tag team in the world. No, they, they, they want all of these men for the simple reason of we took all of the founding members of AEW and they are now in WWE. WWE wants to kill AEW. That is the mindset by negotiating with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Will Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks allow that? I don't know. If WWE ends up negotiating with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, will Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks allow that to happen? Will that be something that that, that is in the back of their mind? Is that notion going to be in the back of all three men's minds? Because they don't want they don't want anything to happen to AEW. If they end up leaving AEW, they don't want anything to happen to AEW, but it will. Something certainly will. Cody Rhodes is always talking about, I love that place. I love the locker room. You know, we're all a family. We're all in this together. I want to see things right over there. Even now, even now he's saying that as a WrestleMania main event guy, he's saying that now. He's had nothing but great things to say about AEW. Tony Khan, on the other hand, won't even speak Cody Rhodes' name. I don't know why, but Cody Rhodes doesn't want anything to happen to AEW, and I doubt that the elite want anything to happen to AEW as well. But it will. Something will happen. If Tony Khan lets the elite go to WWE in what is probably their most important year, how will Warner Media, how will Warner Discovery look at AEW without a Kenny Omega? Without a Young Bucks. This is the reason why they all signed on board to bring the brand and the company to Warner Networks. Are they going to want to bring the brand to Warner Networks if they are without the elite, without Cody Rhodes? I mean, they went into the first year of negotiations being given a TV deal with all of them at the forefront of the company. In the second round of negotiations, four years later, they're looking at AEW without the founding members? I don't know how that's going to work for Tony Khan in his favor, looking for more revenue and, and more and more of a bigger payday from Warner Media for AEW without its founding members. Like, why would Warner Media, why would Warner Discovery want to pay for AEW double, triple, four times more than what they're paying them now without the founding members? Just the simple fact that Tony Khan has them nailed down and as roster members is going to make the negotiation process a lot more appealing to Warner Discovery and a lot more uh, of an easier go for Tony Khan. He's got to keep that in the back of his mind as well. He can't allow these three men to go to WWE. But who is Tony Khan to stop them? If they want to go, they're going to go. The only reason why Kenny Omega 
and the Young Bucks would leave AEW. And I said this about a week and a half ago. The only reason why they would leave AEW, especially being EVPs, is because of Tony Khan. Tony Khan needs to release the power that he has over the company. And he needs to start delegating certain tasks and things creatively. The tag team division has suffered from year one to year two to year three to where we see it now. There is nobody that can convince me otherwise that whatever the Young Bucks vision for the tag team division was in year one, it's not the same thing as what we see now. The tag team division is at its worst ever right now in AEW. It's not what it was in year one. How much of the Young Bucks influence, how much of the Young Bucks say has been taken away by Tony Khan? Kenny Omega. I don't know who's booking the women's division. You could probably sit there and say the women's division has sucked all four years. I don't know what's going on. Kenny Omega didn't know what to do with it. Apparently, he was booking it. Tony Khan apparently is taking control over the women's division and all creative right now. He clearly doesn't know what the fuck he wants to do with it. It sucks. He needs to start delegating because obviously that's not a priority, Tim, and he should get people in place to book the division the way that it needs to be booked because he's not doing it. Kenny Omega was in charge of that. Now, I don't want to sit here and tell you that things have gotten better, but at the end of the day, Kenny Omega's power has been taken away creatively as an EVP. Kenny Omega is in charge of the video game department. His name is all over that Fight Forever video game, which apparently is going to be due out March 31st, according to Best Buy Leaks. I hope that's the case. That would be about a month away. Good. But imagine Kenny Omega leaving AEW When he's in charge of the fucking video game, imagine Kenny Omega leaving AEW when he and his blueprint is all over that video game to go join WWE. I mean, holy shit. What a slap in the face that would be. Now, the game would be out by that point. He's not up until November. The game would have been out for a little bit by that point. But, I mean, how are you going to have somebody just do all of that for the video game and then bounce and say, yeah, fuck off? It's it's crazy to even think about. Now, again, the only reason why I feel these three men would even decide to go to WWE would be Tony Khan. This is where Tony Khan really has to sit down and think about what is best for AEW. He's taken over legitimately every aspect of AEW. He's doing creative. He's this, he's that. He's th- and he's not afraid to tell you. He's not afraid to admit to you what he does. He loves telling you all his different hats, how many different hats he wears. I mean, now he's in charge of Ring of Honor. I'm here in the Ring of Honor tapings. We're very successful on this past Thursday, or this past weekend, rather. It's going to be on Thursday. They debut on the uh, Ring of Honor network, the Ring of Honor app, Honor Club. I may may or may not be covering that. I don't know yet. But he's in charge of that. He's getting everybody ready for Supercard WrestleMania weekend. How many hats does he have to wear? How much power did he really take from the EVPs? You see it on AEW television. You see physically and firsthand what the the quality of the content has been on AEW. They produced some of their best shows in this year alone so far. We're only in February. But that doesn't mean, you know, things are are all good in the neighborhood. Long-term booking is off. The storytelling's been off. The storytelling's been there but kind of weak. The pay-per-view bill for Revolution didn't really start to come about until two or three weeks ago. I I mean, we're one week away from Revolution. Nothing feels right. Everything feels off. So if Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks do go to WWE, I would not be surprised 
But at the end of the day, I don't see them jumping ship to leave a place that they founded to go join WWE and leave Tony Khan in the dust. At the end of the day, I do think that they all stick together. But WWE is foaming at the mouth. They're going to go after all three of these men no matter what the excuse is. They may not want them for their pro wrestling in-ring ability, but they want them for other reasons. And those other reasons are way more important than anything else. Kenny Omega leads to the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks lead to Adam Page. Adam Page leads to whomever else may be a free agent. Not everybody's going to be with AEW for the duration of their fucking career. They're not going to be AEW lifers. You're going to see some talent go back and forth. You're going to see a Wardlow go to WWE. It's inevitable. You're going to see a Jade Cargill go to WWE. It's inevitable. You're going to see an MJF go to WWE. It's inevitable. This shit's going to happen. You're going to see WWE want to take what AEW has cultivated and take it for their own and think that they're going to make it better. You're going to see some WWE free agents who don't want to work the schedule anymore and don't want to be on the road anymore and want a little bit of a lighter schedule. Take what they've done in WWE, take their name value and all that they've learned to AEW to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. You're going to see people go back and forth, and that's fine. That's the nature of the business. That is sports at the end of the day. There are free agents. There is more money being thrown around to sway those free agents. There are going to be people jumping from one promotion to the other. It's not about killing this and making that better and killing that and killing AEW. It's not about that. If AEW has a period where there's going to be a lot of people jumping ship to WWE, there will be a time and a place where AEW replenishes those names with bigger names that don't want to be a part of WWE anymore and they want to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond, and work out the rest of their career with a lighter schedule, with talent that they've never faced before. It's going to happen. But at the end of the day, no matter how hard WWE goes after these names, and you know that they will, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And I do think at the end of the day, Tony Khan is going to end up keeping Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and MJF for a few more years, at least with AEW. Now, Meltzer, he talked about this situation and how everything's going to be very interesting. If WWE had buried Cody, he says, and they treated Cody like shit, then WWE would have no shot at getting Kenny Omega. But they didn't bury Cody Rhodes. So at least you say they have a shot. Tony Khan losing Kenny Omega from a perception point would be really bad. Kenny Omega is in a really good position. This is going to be really interesting for Tony Khan this year. A lot of key deals are up. And WWE is going to go hard after all of them. There's going to be a lot of WWE deals up, and Tony Khan needs to make the product and the perception of the product attractive enough where guys on the other side go, hey, they're solid, they're financially stable, they have an easier schedule, they're doing good. Right now, I don't think the perception of WWE talent is to go there. That's the key thing. That's the perception. And the perception for WWE talent is like, hey, it's a fresh coat of paint for me, and I'm in the middle those are the guys. It's got to be the right guys for AEW. Now, Meltzer gave an example of bringing in someone like w, like uh, Dolph Ziggler from WWE who would help their roster due to his talent, but wouldn't be the type of draw someone like Seth Rollins would be for AEW if Seth Rollins was to become a free agent. going to be very interesting. It's going to be really interesting for 
uh, both companies this year, man. This is going to be, you know, it, it continues to just get wilder and wilder in the world of pro wrestling. And this year is going to be possibly the most wildest ever. Dax Harwood. Did Dax confirm heat with AEW? Is FTR on their way out of the company? Now, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards were released this week. It uh, absolutely sent social media into a fucking frenzy. A lot of people really uh, ousted themselves as virgins and geeks in the community. It's disgusting. It really is. Meltzer was laughing at you all, watching you all complain about some bullshit awards that weren't even voted on by Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer. It was voted on by the readers of Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Throughout the weekend, AEW tweeted graphics celebrating their wins because they want to be petty, including John Moxley being named Wrestler of the Year, Brian Danielson winning the Brian Danielson Award for the Best Technical Wrestler of 2022, and Tony Khan being named Booker and Promoter of the Year. Two victories that AEW did not celebrate were those from FTR with the former AEW Tag Team Champions winning Tag Team of the Year and Feud of the Year with the Briscoes. Dax took to Twitter, seemingly not happy with the company, ignoring their accolades with the caption, and I quote, tell me April's around the corner without telling me April's around the corner. Now, April's when they're, I, I guess they have contracts coming up. They're, they're going to be free agents. So that's what he's meaning there. Tell me April's around the corner without telling me April's around the corner. Well, it turns out that Dax's tweet, you know, because of his tweet, AEW did end up putting up a graphic celebrating the victory in Feud of the Year, just not in the way Dax had hoped on social media. AEW shared a photo of Jay and Mark Briscoe congratulating them on Feud of the Year with no mention of Dax, Cash, or FTR at all, with the tweet saying this, and I quote, Congratulations to the 13th, to the 13th time and current Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions Jay Briscoe and Mark Briscoe, a.k.a. hashtag Boys." a.k.a. hashtag the baddest tag team on the planet on being awarded Wrestling Observer's 2022 Feud of the Year. Now, you know, Dax came out, and uh, I I love how the wrestlers just put all these UK geeks on blast. Cultaholic put out an article saying that Dax was unhappy about so-and-so, about all this. And Dax quote tweeted Cultaholic and said, guys, I am completely happy. He photographed himself and his daughter and his wife out having lunch and him having an oat milk latte on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Is there heat from AEW to FTR and vice versa? I don't know. Dax has been very open and honest on his podcast about what he wants and where he wants to be. He wants this to be the last run of his career. He said this is going to be the last run with a major televised wrestling promotion. But I don't want to sit here and tell you that they're on their way to WWE. Because I do think WWE would love to have FTR. FTR, I guess, could find their home back in WWE. Things would be a lot better than it was then with Triple H in charge. But still, at the end of the day, it's still murky water over there. You don't know. With all the rumors about Vince McMahon taking control possibly and him still still having some aspect in creative and then with the sale of the company, that is a major selling point. Even with Omega and the Bucks, the sale of the WWE is going to be something they're looking at. I mean, all of this could sway everybody's decision. So we don't know. Could sway FTR's decision. We don't know. I don't want to sit here and be that guy 
But it is very difficult for me to sit here and say that AEW is so fucking petty that they would not call out FTR and all that they did and blatantly ignore them. I don't want to be that guy that says everything is a work. Because we don't really know. That's the, that's the beauty about AEW. They love hiding things and, and, and kind of painting a coat of gray over it. We don't know. I don't want to be that guy that says it's a work, but them ignoring FTR completely and all that they did all year without mentioning them and just mentioning the, the Briscoes, it just kind of comes off to me as a work. Now, I mean, it's, it's, it's so great where this could go. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks back. The disgruntled FTR team taking time off, getting their shit together, coming back, and they are the tag team that the company's kind of refusing to acknowledge, and they're downplaying how great that they've been. Then you bring CM Punk back, and him as well, and, and, and it's all about the elite. It's all about the Bucks. It's all about Kenny Omega. Again, I don't want to sit here and tell you it's a work, but the fact AEW did not mention them on social media when they mentioned everybody else that the Observer crowned winners in these awards for, it just makes everything seem so beautiful for a way to bring them back, pair them with Punk, and then go after the fucking elite. Again, it's too good. It's too good. This could be the start of whatever's coming after April. But we don't know. We don't know. Now, AEW could really be that petty. Again, I don't know. Tony Khan is very petty. And when he wants to be petty TK, he can be he can be petty TK. Believe me. But I just find this to be a little bizarre. I really do. I honestly think everything's going to work out for them. I think they're staying with AEW. I don't think they're going uh, back to WWE just because of this. So we'll see what happens. Again, very interesting situation for uh, another set of free agents in AEW. Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy will not serve jail time. DUI case closed. They have suspended his license for 10 years. Good. Good. We got some justice and we got some solid, good information coming out of this Jeff Hardy DUI case back from June 2022. It's now closed as of Thursday after he had submitted a written plea for uh, Nolo Contendre to all charges. When arrested, he was charged with a DUI, alcohol or drugs, alcohol, third offense within 10 years, driving while license canceled, suspended, revoked, and violation of restrictions placed on driver's license. He had a, uh, a felony charge for the DUI that is punishable by up to five years in prison should Hardy have been convicted while the others would fall under misdemeanors. For the next decade, Jeff Hardy's license will be suspended. He also got 38 days credit for the time served in county jail as part of his sentence, the plea of no contest is when someone agrees to accept punishment while not accepting or denying responsibility for whatever the charge is against them. According to the Volesia County Court Records, Hardy will also have two years probation. He has to pay $4,586 in fines and court fees and have two years with an interlock device and 90-day vehicle impoundment go to a court-mandated court DUI school or drug rehab program and do community service. By the sounds of it, Jeff Hardy got off easy. This comes after Hardy's attorney previously filed a motion early this week to suppress the breath test results 
from his arrest as unreliable as they claimed the breathalyzer that was used was not inspected by the Florida Highway Patrol the month before. Hardy tested with it, and that violates a Florida Department of Law Enforcement rule that the equipment must be inspected every month. Jeff has been off AWTV since the arrest as he went to rehab as a requirement by Tony Khan. It is still unclear when or if AEW will bring him back. Um, I can't, I'm not even going to tell you, oh yeah, Jeff has got all this thing, you know, ready to go and he's going to be back on, no. I am not here to tell you that Jeff Hardy needs to be back on TV. The last thing that anybody wants or needs is Jeff Hardy back on AEW TV. Jeff Hardy needs a solid, and I mean solid, 12 to 24 months where he is absolutely clean and sober. Now, I don't know what Tony Khan's going to do. I don't know what Tony Khan has done for Jeff Hardy, but the last thing we need is Jeff Hardy back on television, back in the locker room, back traveling, and you know, falling into those those traps and those vices again, re- reoccurring demons. Again. He needs to be with family, and he needs to be on the mend. He got off easy. License suspended for 10 years? I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't even imagine. He didn't serve any jail time. $4,600 in fines. He's got to go to a court-mandated DUI drug rehab program and do community service. He got off easy. According to what he did, he should be in prison up to five years. He got off easy. He could have killed somebody. He could have been in jail for the rest of his fucking life. He could be dead. He got off easy with this one, as far as I'm concerned. Nobody should be talking about Jeff Hardy back on AEW television. Shouldn't even be on the fucking mind of Tony Khan. This man needs to get help, and hopefully he gets clean and sober, and that is it. That is it. Potential spoiler on Shawn Michaels possibly making an in-ring return for NXT. Oh, God. Oh, God. Apparently... NXT has this Shawn Michaels and Grayson Waller storyline, which I've watched NXT Weekly, and it just feels so forced. They're trying to make it seem like, oh, my God, Grayson Waller is rebelling against management. It just feels so fucking manufactured. It does. Nothing on that show feels good. Nothing. I watch it weekly. I don't even know why I watch I won't be watching it this Tuesday. I'll be on Destiny 2 playing Lightfall all night. But Grayson Waller and Shawn Michaels, potential spoiler on this. Grayson Waller was kept off television before he returned. Um, Apparently, Grayson Waller was suspended for interrupting Shawn Michaels' post-Vengeance Day media scrum. He had lost the NXT title match in a steel cage match to Braun Breaker on that show. He was suspended, kept off television. This week on NXT TV, the show saw Grayson Waller get into exchange with Shawn Michaels backstage. It ended with Waller taking over the production truck, which Michaels did with Triple H while he was in DX many years ago. Waller called out Michaels to appear on his talk show, The Grayson Waller Effect, in two weeks at NXT Roadblock, which apparently is their uh, stop in between uh, their last show and WrestleMania. This storyline has led fans to speculate where WWE is going with this feud, and whether it will lead to Michaels coming out of retirement for another match. 
Now, the WRKD Wrestling Twitter account, which has broken the news of, I guess this is their, uh, their, uh, their huge, uh, you know, crowning moment. They broke the news of Lita returning to WWE TV and expected return of Trish Stratus to WWE TV. They noted that there has been talk about having Michaels introduce top free agent signing Dragon Lee to NXT to do this match with Grayson Waller on his behalf. WWE has already confirmed for Roadblock, Roxanne Perez versus Mako Satamora and Tony D'Angelo versus Dijak in a jailhouse street fight. This is in two weeks on NXT, as if you guys care. Nobody watches NXT. Shawn Michaels should never step back in the ring again as an active performer. The only way that I would find that to be absolutely fucking deplorable and desperate. They, I mean, I, I, I don't even want to imagine. I don't even want to imagine, and it's sad. It's fucking sad that they have to resort to something like that, potentially, to get people interested in what they're doing with NXT. Dragon Lee sounds like a better idea, no doubt about it. And if they want to do that, uh, I could see that being the case. Dragon Lee versus Grayson Waller could be a, a banger match. If they want to go and do that at the Stand and Deliver show, but I hope to God that whatever they have planned does not lead to Shawn Michaels wrestling Grayson Waller because the storyline doesn't even reflect enough investment from the fans to see Shawn Michaels want to get involved. With- Nothing happened. Nothing has happened between the two. Like, what is his problem? Grayson Waller's problem is the fact that Shawn- he feels Shawn Michaels shows favoritism to other people and not to him. That's enough to get Shawn Michaels out of fucking retirement? Like I said, manufactured, man, nothing, nothing feels genuine on NXT. And it's just one of the worst shows on television. I I don't know how people in the Observer Awards voted Monday Night Raw worse than NXT. I don't get it. They genuinely voted Monday Night Raw being a worse show than NXT. NXT is the worst weekly show anywhere, period. And finally, guys. Gunther. Gunther is in line for a world title push after WrestleMania. I don't think anybody's going to have a problem with that. I love that idea. Gunther has had an incredible intercontinental title reign that more than likely will end at WrestleMania. There are rumors going around that it will be a triple threat match. Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre versus Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. For all we know, I've seen this being floated around as well. For all we know, I would not mind Gunther wrestling on night one and night two. Having him wrestle Drew McIntyre on night one, beating Drew McIntyre, turning around on night two to wrestle Sheamus, ultimately wrestling Sheamus and losing the Intercontinental Championship. Same idea with the IC title that people had for the World Championship back when Rock was rumored to be involved in WrestleMania, but this time it would be with Gunther, Sheamus, and McIntyre. I would not mind that at all. Two Gunther matches at WrestleMania? Sign me up. Triple threat match would be a banger, though. Triple threat match would be a fucking banger. It could be matching tonight. Be honest with you, match the whole weekend. But speaking to Give Me Sport, WrestleVotes, who's had uh, many news items broken on social media, confirmed What we all could already tell, and that is Triple H loves Gunther, 
But Triple H is not only his only believer behind the scenes. They said Triple H loves him. They all love him ever since he came into his own at Clash of the Castle. I'm not just talking about Triple H. Road Dogg is big on him. Jason Jordan really likes him. With many speculating that WWE could be set to split the world championships after WrestleMania, WrestleVotes noted that Gunther could likely be in the world title picture by SummerSlam, even with him potentially being next in line for a run at the world title when they split the titles. They also said, once WWE gets the two titles back separated, you double the amount of people in the main event, Gunther is ready to step up. I expect by SummerSlam... To see him at the top of the card, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins a world title. He might be next in line. Now, how they split the championships is going to be the bigger question. Do they split them when Cody maybe wins it? We don't even know if Cody's going to win the titles at WrestleMania. For all we know, he could lose. Is it going to be split via the draft? When are they going to do a draft? Are they going to do the draft after the... Uh, or during the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania? Are they going to wait till after Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania? Do it around May, June-ish? I don't know. I have no idea. We're due for a draft. The last I read, WWE was going to hold off the draft till September of this year. That's way too long. WWE needs to mix up the rosters now. Maybe they could get away with it with some influx of NXT talent to Raw and SmackDown, but still... We need something to freshen up. It should really happen after WrestleMania because we need to wipe away whatever rosters that Vince was in charge of. We need to separate those titles and get all new rosters on Raw and SmackDown. The the tag team titles and the tag team divisions right now are not as strong as they need to be. The women's divisions are not anywhere where they need to be. And when you split those world championships, I want to see some fresh contenders at the top on both Raw and SmackDown. Whatever happens, Gunther at the top of the card is an in- inevitability. It's going to happen. He deserves it. He's fucking incredible. And I, I, I think we need to see a draft at the uh, end of the season after WrestleMania. I, I think that's going to be best for business, but only time will tell. Uh, I don't know if Gunther was to wrestle for the world championship. I mean, we already have a built-in Cody versus Gunther world championship match stemming from what we got at, at Royal Rumble. The American Nightmare versus the evil foreign villain. I mean... It just sells itself. So we could potentially be looking at that heading into SummerSlam. Again, that is if Cody does take down Roman and win the world championships at WrestleMania. Guys, I am all out of news. That's all I got. Hopefully you enjoyed the show tonight, man. If you did enjoy the show, man, we hit 1,000 likes. I appreciate you guys very much. Thank you for the likes. Thank you for the support tonight. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. We're going to get into the Super Chats in just a little bit. If you want to get them on in, it's last call. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. We are roughly 100 away from 142,000 subscribers. Make sure you guys continue to go check out all the other videos that you might have seen on the channel, might have missed on the channel. Have not caught up with any of it yet. It's all there for you on the homepage. And please make sure you guys go check out my sponsor for today's show, The Ridge. Ridge Ridge.com slash scripts, where you guys can use code script at checkout for 10% off anything on their website, man. Go get yourself a brand new wallet. I got four of them. I live and die by it. I love it. 
Ridge.com slash script. Let's get into the Super Chats, man. I want to start off with Joseph Taylor, who comes in with two $5 Super Chats. Rey Mysterio won the 2006 Royal Rumble. John Cena, Triple H, main event at WrestleMania 22. John Cena won the 2008 Royal Rumble match. Edge and Undertaker, main event at WrestleMania 24. Joseph. I just went over all that, brother. I had my guy Randy come in big with the receipts. Thanks again to Randy, and thank you, Joseph, for the $10, brother. Max Amherstan with a one month. This is the best chat in the IWC. I've been a fan since May, and I enjoy your takes and passion, which made me a fan to begin with. Max, I appreciate you, brother. Cheers to you, bro. Hope to see you in my mother's basement when we grand open the new extension to the venue. Jerry Ramey with a new membership. Thank you, brother. Michelle Moran with a $5 super chat. Hope common sense is used. And Usos versus Sammy K was the main event of night one. And even if Cody wins the belts, he still won't be the main man Roman is. Sami Zayn is still the hottest guy going into WrestleMania. And nobody's even close. Sami is more important than Cody Rhodes right now. Calvin Rhymes with a 199. Were you a fan of Lex Luger? Or do you think he's boring? I was a big fan of the narcissist Lex Luger. When Lex Luger was uh, the uh, All-American uh, Lex Express Lex, I couldn't stand it. When Bobby Heenan managed him as the narcissist, he was fantastic. Tone C with a $5 super chat. Is there a dress code for your mother's basement? Drinking tequila and Arctic Sun Fago with lime. Delicious. Uh, yes, Tone C, it's going to be uh, business casual. I'm coming to the debut with a suit and tie. Legitimately. Joe the Show becomes a new member. Joe, what the fuck are you drinking, Joe? Hologram with 27 months. Enough of this winter weather. Very much looking forward to the OTS Beer Garden and your mother's basement. Love you and this community, OTS for Life. Thank you, brother. Be safe out there, man. I'm hearing some uh, terrible things with the snow out there. Holy shit. How is it that the West Coast got absolutely slammed with snow? And here in New York, we got zero. Zero snow. All, all year. Uh, Lucifer Lamore with a 499. JD, what do you think of this swerve? Sammy and KO versus Usos. Bell rings. Jay super kicks Jimmy into the corner. Offers him to Sammy. Sammy KO win. Jay versus Roman. No. I do think Jay is part of a bigger storyline, but I, I don't know when or where that's going to come. But we're getting that tag team match at WrestleMania. Frag dude with seven months in the venue. Seven months, OTS for life. Ridge Wallet is the best. No doubt about it, brother. JLD with seven months. What's up, bro? Seven months is a VIP. It's an honor to be a part of the OTS family. Keep up the awesome work. Keep killing it, bro. Thank you, JLD. I appreciate you, man. 
Captain Solo with two $5 Super Chats. Vince wants to sell the company so that he has ultimate power. If I'm buying WWE for $9 million or $12 million, why would I even need Vince? You are correct. Vince wants $9 billion. Market cap for the company, $6.5. I say the most he gets is $8 billion, and we're sold to the Saudis. Just my prediction. Also, Captain Solo says, I meant billions, not millions. Why is Tamina still employed? I don't know. Imagine WWE buying, uh, or somebody buying WWE for $9 million. Sign me up, bro. What, uh, l- let, me get, let me get some financial investors on the call. Joseph Taylor with a $5 Super Chat. The last King of the Ring pay-per-view 2002 buy rate was $320,000. Seems pretty good to me. Triple H is going to do right by the King of the Ring. I'm not really worried about that at all. Brian Jardine with a 20 in UK. Leaves no message. Brian, thank you, brother. Jason Barker with a 5. I have a feeling that MJF saying the bidding war 2024 is coming in 2023. What are you drinking? I think he will see jolly old St. Nick soon. I don't know, man. I don't think Tony Khan can afford to lose MJF. I would be more upset if MJF left AEW than anybody. From Tony Khan. He's got the most upside to anybody. He's, how old is he? 25? Sean Lee with a one month just saying thank you and I very much appreciate what you do and the effort and the passion and the work you provide. OTS for life. Next round's on me. Thank you, Sean Lee. I appreciate you being a one month man. Hopefully you're enjoying your uh, stay in the VIP club. Richard Winter with a new membership. Richard, what the fuck are you drinking? Joshua Simo with a 499. JD Flair is going to do the same thing she did last year with Ronda and the Royal Rumble. I enjoy your show. Thanks for what you do. Thank you, Joshua. I appreciate you, brother. The Little Kev. 999 AJ the Ring of Honor tapings sound like everything went well I'm really excited and I hope it's all worth it because it looks great I may tune in on Thursday brother I may actually go live on Thursday for that I'm not really sure yet I have to see what's going on N with a 499 thank you N TK will be the reason all four EVPs are gone I have a feeling he's the reason Cody left, and I think he'll choose Punk over the Elite. You uh, you may not be wrong, N, at all. That's why I said I think the reason why they do leave, at the end of it, the reason why they do leave is Tony Khan. And Jeremy, 2006, with 17 months in the VIP club, he says, Gunther, both nights at WrestleMania, sign me up, OTS for life. Leaves me a rock on emoji and an ace emoji. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate your support, brother. And thank you for 17 months. Guys, I, uh, I'm about to close the venue up for the night. Jesse just got here just in time. Jesse just got here. Now we can mop the floors and change the ice and wipe the... The uh, bottles behind the bar and make sure they're all really clean so we don't get any fruit flies. 
fill everything up because we got a brand new week to start tomorrow. Monday Night Raw will be live. Jedi Joker 93, $5 Super Chat. I think out of all the talent that could jump to WWE, Darby Allen would be the most heartbreaking. I don't want his and Sting's hard work wasted. Bro, Darby may be retired by the time WWE looks at him. The way he wrestles. Uh, Jesse, yeah, we need more uh, Gentleman Jack behind the bar, bro. Uh, we had uh, a big influx of uh, people wanting Gentleman Jack old fashions. So get on that, bro. I'm about to get out of here, man. So uh, I need all the uh, the floors mopped. And you know the deal, bro. Kitchen needs to be cleaned. We'll be back on uh, on Monday. We'll be back on Monday. Some great discussion tonight, guys. Some great discussion tonight. Really, really felt good tonight. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. And we will uh, be back with a brand new week right here on OTS. WrestleMania is coming up. It's the biggest time of the year. Hopefully you guys stick with the podcast for all of your uh, all of your coverage. Dan! Dan with a $5 super chat. JD, do you see Cody returning to AEW one day? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. He may just want that WrestleMania moment, that world title, and then go back to the company that he helped found. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I see Cody going back to AEW. I see Sasha Banks going back to WWE. It's it's just what, you know, it's just a time and place, man. Things change. Things transform, you know, from year to year. Shit happens. It is what it is. Guys, anyway, uh, I'll see you live on Monday. Go check out the Ridge, ridge.com slash script or code script at checkout for 10% off. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. And please make sure you guys continue to hit that subscribe button, turn on the bell for notifications, and hit that thumbs up. You guys know the deal. Guys, I'll see you live Monday from Monday Night Raw right here on Off The Script. Enjoy your Sundays, and I'll see you live back tomorrow night for Raw.